what we're seriously just gonna start over. Okay, I'm oh. I'm down. No poop oh, talk, I, no oh. Europe talk. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny, starting the show for the first time. Definitely the first time. Oh man, you know, so good in this morning show, even though it's not quite morning for you anymore. It's 9.30 in the morning over here. We got sunny skies, going to be a high of 85 and looking good throughout the weekend. It's my radio voice. How did it sound? Uh, it was a little bit, little bit corny, but I do like it. I, I felt Suddenly I felt like I was doing radio, so I just started. I just went with it. I went with the feeling. Anyways, okay. I'm doing good, Tyler. Yeah, we we just uh, we just you know, talked for ten minutes about European geography and bidets and decided to scrap that opening because no one wants that. Yep. Uh, but Johnny, I did get new blackout curtains for my game rooms, and I'm very happy. Not blackout curtains, blackout blinds. I I saw your honeycombs. You got honeycombs. Yes. You're doing it. So uh, this was I was randomly. I, I'm not a mindless consumer of Amazon Prime Day. But I, I went on Amazon Prime for Prime Day because my mom was like, what should I buy on Amazon Prime? And my answer to my mom was, mom, you're literally moving. Don't buy bullshit you don't need just because Amazon is like, you should buy some bullshit you don't need. Um, Where's your I, mom moving to? Uh, well, she's in the process of selling her house, but no one's buying it because interest rates and I, I don't know if people buy houses anymore. But um, uh, yeah, she's well, moving to Virginia to be closer to me and around more old people, I guess. She's moving from New York? Yes. But how will she tell people? Oh, no. It's like one of these areas where like 70% of the people are people who moved from New York to have lower taxes. Okay. That's just like one of these old people. <laughs> like, oh, And then they're, they're all going to be talking to each other. Oh, the taxes are so much lower here. Oh, no, the weather. It's oh, like a 55 plus community. Here, you can't find any good delis at all. Can you believe this place? <laughs> we have. <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> we have conversations about uh, North Carolina bagels and how they're just not oh. as good as Long Island bagels. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like... Dude, if, if you are not f talking to someone from New York, if you haven't <laughs> talked about how bad a deli is everywhere else, why the baked goods, especially bagels, aren't as good. You just aren't. Like, uh, growing up, as my family, is, uh, on my dad's side, is all from New York. We go out, and, you know, the quest is always to, like, to find that New York uh, bakery or deli that exists. And then, like... Then you get in there and suddenly it'd just be you and all the other Italians that exist in Los Angeles are in there. Uh, yeah, Johnny weird. was at a, a wedding uh, last week and I got to go up to New York and uh, I got to go to Cat's Deli uh, and it. I got a $30 pastrami sandwich. It's top 10 food on planet Earth. It is like three pounds of pastrami on two just like regular thickness pieces of rye bread. Um, and it's it's the fucking best. I haven't had one since I think high school. Um, it it seems it is unaccept an unacceptable amount of meat. But uh, everyone go to Cat's Deli. Everyone in New York already goes to Cat's. What am I talking about? This is probably yeah yeah. I don't think you. <laughs> we love recommending regional food. Yeah, here on the I, podcast. I hate. There was an episode where you guys were like going on for like yeah, minutes I know. about yeah, and you like totally local slammed fast us food, for it. and I could not yeah. handle it. Yeah, you fucking slammed us, and it was because somebody asked us the question. You were unprompted. You just had you just had to share. Anyway, Johnny, I got um these. The, I just went to anyway. I was on Amazon Prime, and I saw like roller blinds, like blackout on like a vinyl sheet that you pull down. And I'm like, you know what? I, I've got like these shitty blackout curtains. I've got the UV film on my windows, but there's still light that gets into my game room. Uh, so I didn't buy that. I went to Walmart and I'm just like, what do they got at Walmart? Maybe it'll be cheaper here. 
Uh, it's like 40 bucks for these, uh, these like honeycomb things. It's basically, um, it's like two sets of blinds. So it's like a blind and then it opens into a chamber that has black paint on the inside and then a blind on the other side. And I installed them and they're fucking awesome, Johnny. What? I don't know why I ever fucked around with blackout curtains because blackout curtains, they, they're like away from the window and I always get the like light peeking out of the side of them, no matter how good the curtains are. And like the UV film is fine. It's a pain in the ass to install. What? Just get these blackout shades. What was I doing my whole life? Fucking around with all this other stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I've got blackout curtains. And I think the idea of blackout curtains for me came with uh, like when you go to Vegas for the first time and you're like, holy shit, you can make this room as dark as you want. Uh, Because you need to, because you never know when you're going to be up to. uh, Yeah, exactly. Awake in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, and they take their blackout. Like every hotel, no matter how shitty your hotel is, has like serious blackout curtains. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Be careful about that UV damage, everyone. Um, Because I've got like I've got the light in the room that I put these shades in. Like I got the light peeking in the curtains, but it's like it's on my like boxed Rob and like an NES action set and just like a bunch of weird old toys from the 60s that I have. It's like all the stuff that would most get damaged by the sun, like the reds and oranges are going to fade. Um, but I just have been ignoring it for years. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it. Like, technically, there's a blackout curtain, even if it doesn't work. Um, yeah, I've got wood. Good. I've got UV film and the wood slats in my office. Oh, yeah. And just if anyone doesn't know, UV film and like UV protective uh, graded game cases is a total scam. I, I use it. It does something. Uh, but like if you went into a rainstorm with 80% of an umbrella with like holes in it, you're still going to get wet. So it it does something, but you're still gonna get fade when you put UV film stuff in direct sunlight. What a what a nice analogy. I, I enjoyed that. Well, I'm I'm glad your blackout blinds are working out. I want better blackout blinds for uh my my office as well, but mainly my bedroom. Like it used to be a much more important thing to me because my wife was on nights and now she's on day, so it doesn't matter as much. Um, but like we were always combating the light so she could sleep during the day. And now I just want, like, I'm tired of the blackout curtain that I have downstairs in my theater, as theater room, my living room, which is where we watch movies. Uh, but it's like a big curtain and like the dog's always bumping it and it's like always letting light in. Or it's always like my son goes back there and like pushes it. I just want a built-in blind system, but it's a huge window, so it has to be custom because I want to make sure I don't want light. I, I hate those blinds where it like comes to the side and then you get like just big shafts of light because it doesn't go end to end yeah so are yours inside or is yours outside the window box no it's inside the the window frame and that's why it's so working how, a lot better than my blackout curtains so how are you making it so it doesn't I, it, I guess you're just the natural like part where it would peek out the window frame is is that part so it, the yeah there's like a through. there's like a couple centimeters on each side where like the window frame is so it doesn't like peek i mean it's not like it's not vegas 100 percent blackout like there's still like the little curtain of light on the on the side, but none of that gets into the room and spills onto games. Obviously, it's a like very very yeah. small amount. Yeah, because I've always wondered how to combat that. Like, how do I, like without a curtain, combat that the sides? Well, so the other like thing is I'm keeping the curtain up. I mean, like all this is just to protect my game. So I've got the UV film. I've got these shades. The shades are by far the best part, and then I've got a curtain going over it. And it's okay. yeah, it's a lot. Nice. All right, Johnny. Do we want to talk about some video games? 
Let's get into it. Well, we, what's the episode about? We want to talk about something that we rarely talk about here in the Collector's Quest. All podcast. the time, you mean? Um, lists. Uh, oh, boy. Both. Get your pen and paper out. I, I Maybe. I don't know. Maybe take notes. Uh, we want to talk about <laughs> making a list of video games in, in multiple ways, I'm going to say. So whether you're making a set list of like all the games in a set, or you're just making a list of what you want to collect, and then also how to determine criteria for what should be in a set list. And I'm going to say something controversial that we've maybe never said on the Collector's Quest podcast here before. Every list ever is bad, and there's no good way to organize video game information, and no one has figured it out yet. <laughs> so, oh, You mean we may have a whole episode titled that called All of Your Lists Are Bad? Uh, oh, yeah, we, we did this episode. Why are we even doing this episode, Johnny? What's going on? Uh, well, sometimes we revisit topics, but also, <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the criteria for sets, and I want to talk about just list making. We talked in that list, I think, more of the focus that lists are bad, and there's a bunch of holes in every list. But now I want to talk about more about how to help people make and what the construction should look like. Alrighty. Um, so, uh, where do you want to start, Johnny? I want to start with lists. You, you. Let's start with lists, and then I want to get into sets a little bit, and like what criteria is for that, and how it, it's all bad and stupid. Okay, should we should we come up with a, a a premise that we can take through this episode? Like we're gonna make a list of PS3 games because I don't have a PS3 game list. Actually, I think okay. I do. You told me to message someone at some point. I think I took their list. Figsky games, probably. Yeah. Or, or there's a couple <laughs> of different people. Yeah. All right. So before before we start, Johnny, we need to determine what is going to be on our list. In other words, what is a video game? What are we making a list of? And we want to define our criteria as specifically as possible so we don't have to go and make up a bunch of exceptions later on because we fucked up the criteria to begin with. Because that is what happened with all the existing lists out there. Because Mike Etler made this cool list of 677 plus 91 NES games, and there's some consistency problems with it. So rather than people going back to that and being like, maybe we need to rethink what uh, what we thought about NES before, we just it just has become just sort of the de facto list. And people are like, ah, well, we've been using it for so long that, you know, maybe the Man. Aladdin games don't count anymore. <laughs> Whatever Man, that. That should have been our episode. We should have just redone the 677, fixing the 677, introducing I, you to your 711 uh, games. All right. All right. Forget it. Forget PS3. No, Are we no. doing NES now? Let's do NES. No, because, no that's a whole episode. We'll, we'll do, we'll this do is all... the episode. Here we go. No, no. We don't actually want to correct that. Let's just talk about the criteria, but I would like to present a new list at some point. I think that would be a fun exercise for us. Me and you fighting about it because our criteria, spoiler guys, our criteria are not the same. Tyler and I will have lists for the same thing and we do not agree. And we are both people who collect the same sets and we're like, we have a set. I have a set. You have a set. Yeah. And then all of a sudden our criteria, they do not line up. So I think there's some obvious things. So video game title, uh, obviously a big one. Most people would distinguish games based on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You. I think you're jumping the gun. Oh. I think before you even decide that, like, cause you've all you've decided right now is you're going to collect video games and what are video games, right? Like, so ha you have to keep defining that. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean 
games like, I don't know, Miracle Piano don't count because it's a teaching sim. Are those out? All right, Vid- so we're are in games NES. that are just I'm videos? Excited now. I mean, anything. Like, I don't care if we use PS3 or if we use NES. Like, we can use NES if you want. Um, I'll open up my NES list, but we, we should say what does and doesn't count. I am making a list of software is generally what I'm going to do. Me too. And I think you should document everything. Um, so I think when you get to the point where you're actually putting stuff on the list before you start like filtering and weeding out what you want your list to actually be, put everything on it. Put on Game Genie. Put on Game Action Replay, Miracle Piano, Aladdin Deck Enhancer, Nintendo World Championships, even stuff you know isn't going to make the cut. I, it's valuable to know it's there, to note it later on. So when you have your list, when you cut down your list to what you think it should be, I think under your list should be the list of like things that didn't make the cut, but still exist. And here's why they didn't make the cut because of these criteria. Right. It, it gives you an example. It lets people know what your boundaries were and how you defined what's in there. Instead of them having to assume what you did, you get to, you, you have this little bin of stuff that shows them. And I like to go even a step further and then kind of categorize those things and put them into their own little buckets for what they are to show people exactly what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and so can I, can I get into some criteria now, Joni? Uh, yeah, go ahead and I'll, I'll interrupt you. All right. So just things I'm thinking about making a list game title, obviously publisher, oh. which I think are these you are already these, stopping these are me the, with game title. These are things I'm just, no, I'm just making sure <laughs> these are the, so we're looking at a, sh- a blank sheet. We're looking at columns in Excel or wherever. And these are, these are your attributes you're adding. Uh, How are you going? I'm asked. Cause if that's not what you're doing, then I'm going I mean, to interrupt you. Maybe. No, it's not, because one of the things I want to think about when I'm defining my criteria for a list is the video game code itself, and I'm not going to have it, I'm not going to think about that when, uh, I'm not going to specifically document that when I'm making an Excel sheet. Okay, because I have, I, 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 maybe you disagree, but I've got like a, two higher level things before I get there. Okay, is it a retail release? Are we only looking at retail or are we looking at everything? I mean, I'm looking at everything, and then that, that'll be a criteria, you know, whether it's a retail release or something special later on. Okay. All right. That I'm good. Keep going. All right, Johnny. Title. I think most people differentiate games by title. I don't think that every game with a different title has to be differentiated. Um, publisher. Uh, my least favorite thing ever, because there are a lot of games that people differentiate a million times on Publisher, like Myriad 6-in-1 versus Caltron 6-in-1 are in different ends of the universe, especially since Caltron 6-in-1 is not super rare anymore. Uh, but to me, it's all they're just two different versions of 6-in-1, Johnny. And I know some people think like that, but you get into things like Accolade Centipede on Game Boy and people act like it's a completely different game because it's a lot rarer. Um, don't like publisher variants. I think they're just variants. Game okay. code, Johnny. There's, I think there's even two things you can get into with game code. There's, uh, something like just a changed title screen or a couple changed sprites. Think of something like uh, stadium events, world-class track meet or Mike Tyson's punch out to punch out. Pro where... protectors versus Contra. Yes. Um, so that doesn't change the g- actual gameplay at all. Uh, but then there are there are game code changes that do change the gameplay. The one I always bring up, Jet Moto Two Greatest Hits. Uh, it's the same title for the game, but it's uh, it's got like frame rate differences and number of racer differences. Um, 
So does that, Doki, that? I mean, keeping it in the NES realm, Doki Doki Panic versus Super Mario Two. Mm, I mean, those yeah, those have more significant differences than just the the sprite change, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's like kind of a different game, even so, though like that, essentially. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it, but when you get into the saga of like Doki Doki Panic to Super Mario Brothers Two in the USA, and then back to Japan as Super Mario USA. It's like all of a sudden, is, is Doki Doki Panic on Famicom Disk System the same exact game as Super Mario USA on Famicom? And it's like, it is not. that's real. No, it's just so weird to try to categorize like that. But is it? I think it is, Johnny. I don't know. Um, so, I mean, we could go down the game code rabbit hole for a second to like Tetris Worlds on Xbox. There's a version with and without Xbox Live support. And like yep. adding an entire game mode of online play, that is a huge difference uh, between the two games. So do you count that as a separate game or is it just the variant that includes an entire separate game mode? No, it's that would to me would be a separate release it's a because I would because because if you if you had a game right where uh, it was like the regular edition and then the championship edition. Like I would, those would be two different titles to me. So nah, two different games. It's all the same. So what do you do? Uh, what about hot? Okay. Coffee? Well, hold, hold whoa, on. Then okay. how does, hold, whoa, 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 whoa. So how does that work with something like Madden? If, if the code doesn't really change from one year to the next, they just update and add some stuff. But they're updating and adding some stuff. Those okay, are different games just because they're, they're lazy about it. Doesn't so, make okay. So game. adding a new game mode doesn't make it a new mode. If I added, like if it's a trivia game and like, like, okay, this is Jeopardy. Oh, this is Jeopardy Decades or whatever. And you're like, oh, um, we added just more questions in here, but it's the exact same game otherwise. But it's got a bunch of new questions. So now that's not a new game. Not in, in your criteria, but now Madden did it and it is a new game. I feel like the way I'm going to do it is the fr- most important thing to me is the title. So if there's a new title, it's oh, that doesn't work with the Madden thing, because I'm just going to say if there's a new title, it's going to be a new game unless the gameplay is fundamentally the same. And I'm going to simplify it and say if it's got different titles, it's a different game. And then sometimes the code in the game, even within the if it has the same title, can be considered a different game if, if the change with if it's got a significant enough change like Jet Moto. But, uh, you know, Midway Arcade Classics was re-released as Midway Arcade Classics 1, and those aren't different games. It's a variant. Um, yeah, I mean, but that was only done because they wanted to differentiate between Midway, like, because they were releasing a part two and then eventually a part three. But uh, So we're going to we're gonna take into account the intent behind the title change and differentiating a release? I mean, you might. I mean, to be fair, I own both. I mean, I do too because I'm a crazy person, and that game was probably three dollars <laughs> when we bought it. But still, yeah, I, it, it's I, not. Uh, it's really important to not make it about price or what's obtainable. No, when no. But this is what criteria. happens when the the inmates run the asylum, Tyler. We are the crazy people, and we're dictating how us crazy people would make our list. Like, so, like, you might as well just tell them what the full crazy looks like. Stop trying to hide yourself. Don't tell me that every Madden game is, or there's Madden games that are the same because they They're barely not. change anything except for They're the... They're not. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that I was disputing what you were saying. You're freaking me out. All right. I think, I think we can get back to the game code because there's a, I think, 
I think there's a lot of people who would say that once a single bit of the game code changes, it's a different game. And you see that a lot when it comes down to things like, you know, stadium events, world-class track meet. It's got yeah, a different title screen, so it's technically a different game. But that's nonsense, right? Because how many, especially with older games, like we don't see it now because now there's just on- online updates and patches and stuff gets fixed. But how many revisions? That means every Rev A versus non-Rev A NES game could potentially be a new game because they probably changed some code on the chip, made some fixes. Yeah, I mean, well, not Rev A because that's just the screws, right? Well, but the screw- yeah, there's a well, ton of theoretically, NES code variants. Theoretically, it's just the screws, but yeah. Like, yeah. um, like, I know Castlevania, like, early versions of Castlevania will just freeze on you. So if you have a five-screw Castlevania, that's, like, not the one you want to play. Like, go find an oval-screw Castlevania if you actually want to play it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, like, Final Fantasy three had a big fix in it in the in the middle because there used to be, like, this error in, in the tower, like, the, the Tower of Magic and stuff. So what we're talking about right now is why I don't think that game code variants actually matter when you're making a list because yes the title screen changes between world-class track meet and stadium events but so many games that everyone absolutely agrees are the exact same game you know just version 1.0 versus version 1.1 have more significant Uh, changes yeah more significant changes but no one would even think about considering like oh yeah early revision versus late revision castlevania you have to have both in your set list because, like, 90% of those aren't even known. Like, when you get into, like, modern CD games, like, I don't know how, like, maybe, like, Redump or something is tracking version differences between Xbox games or something. But in the realm of collectible knowledge, no one knows how many code revisions of even, like, Halo there are. There were probably, that game was in print for, what, 10 years or something, maybe? Probably not that long, but there's probably a lot of code I revisions I mean, probably, no, probably that long. And... and- they're like, oh, who was showing me? Was it the uh, Joe, the Fleo was showing me just like some of the print dates on some of the games from Nintendo, which like almost like original NES being printed almost as late as like a year or two before like N64 comes out. So yeah, sometimes these games do stay in print that long. And that was with cartridge based games. Imagine for like Halo, God, forever. Yeah. Um, it's probably... No, I don't know if it's easier to to change the code in a CD versus a, a cartridge because I don't know anything about manufacturing. I'm not even gonna pr- say yeah, something CDs doesn't matter. Are, CDs are cheaper to make. But then, like, you get into things. Uh, so I wanted to go back to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas Hot Coffee because that's a code change that most people find very significant, and it's not even something you can access in the game. You literally have to hack the game to unlock Hot Coffee. But people still are like, "Oh yeah, the Hot Coffee version is the version I want because it has." technically different code even though it has zero impact on gameplay unless you hack the game well that that's that's part of like this goes into my major point make your own list decide what you want because nobody is consistent like they think there's these rules we all think there's these rules but there's no consistency to any of the rules it does not matter it doesn't matter people like these these changes, the, the reason these code changes matter is because of publicity. The reason people care about stadium events is this is this weird narrative, but it's the same game. If you really wanted the same game, there's less changes between world-class track meet and, and stadium events than there is between versions of Final Fantasy 3, okay? But no one's talking about getting all the Final Fantasy 3s. Like, come on. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Um, so it's just arbitrary. It's about a, it's about a narrative and it's about people who have accepted this narrative and bought in, but yeah, it, it, they're like, oh, well the title changed. Okay. Well, if, if in your world title changes are the only thing that matter, that's fine. But 
just remember when it comes to the code stuff, don't get excited for it because you don't care about that. You only care about titles. Yeah. And that, and and I, that I means you need that. your midway volume one versus your midway because so, you care about title changes. Yeah. And then you also need every greatest hits game because that's a title change. So just to talk about um, the, the three criteria that we really touched on, the title publishers and game code. So I think there are clearly situations for all of these where people don't care about differences. Um, so title change like Midway Arcade Classics versus Midway, Ar or what is it? Midway Arcade Treasures, maybe. Uh, Arcade Treasures versus Arcade Treasures 1. Virtually everyone is going to consider those the same game. Publisher changes. You look at something like Game Boy with like Electro Brain releases. Like, no, I mean, there are people who track that, but people who have lists of Game Boy games do not separate out publisher releases for every single game. There are interesting publisher changes that people sometimes inconsistently put on their list, but for the most part, publisher changes do not count on many lists. I'm looking at my Game Boy list because you said that, and hey, look, I've got these publisher variants in here. You got them as variants, or you list them all separately? So you've got, like, what, like 650 different Game Boy games? I, you have all I the have, publisher variants? I mean, it's in my list, but yeah, every time I find a publisher variant, I put it in the oh, list. Oh, okay. Well, we have different weirdo. philosophies. I'm, I'm but a, yeah, I'm like, there's all these Sunsoft now. games that have different Sun, yeah. publisher variants that people don't normally count. You will, you like, most lists, if you look at a list of Game Boy games, you won't see the Final Fantasy games all listed twice, because there's a Square no. version and a Sunsoft version. I know your tops. list probably has that based on what you're saying, but I would say yeah, most my, people lists don't count every single publisher variant. Yeah. So, and what my list I use privately versus like when I submit a list out for public consumption are not exactly the same thing either. Okay. Cause I understand I'm an insane person. Yes, and, I agree. <laughs> and then uh game code. I think we can all agree for the most part, unless there's something major and people want to make an exception, but like, you know, the world-class track me steam events. Oh, it's a different title screen. Um, for the most part, people don't care about code changes. And a lot of that is because people don't know about every code change because we're not dumping every single disc of every single game and trying to find every little minor bug fix in between all of them. I'm sure people are doing that for certain games that they're really interested in, but for the tens of thousands of games out there, we cannot feasibly have a list of every single version of every single game and collect them all. It's just not something people do. But then, no, and, and like a lot of these code changes are lost to time too. Like they were made, and like you heard about them as a kid, but it was the '80s and '90s, so it's not like it is today. Yeah, but then when you combine these factors, so world class track meet and stadium events, uh, different title, which I would say doesn't matter, different publisher, which I would say doesn't matter, different code change, which I would say doesn't matter. All those three things together, it has a different title, different publisher, and different code. That is actually pretty uncommon. It's pretty uncommon for a game to have all three of those things different. And if you want to say that once you combine those three aspects, that counts as a new release. As long as you can keep that consistent, I think that's fine. But I don't think it's fine just to say like, oh, it's the reason Stadium Events is its own game is because it's always been its own game. Or really, World Class Track Meet is its own game because that's the second one. But um, you're sending me a list of your... Okay, so you just sent me uh, your list of Game Boy games. Yeah, you have all the publisher variants, all this Electrobrain crap, but you have them all highlighted because it's like, oh, well, these are the stupid variants. They're not really their own thing. Well, I've, I just call attention to it. Okay. But anyway, I, I think that there is an argument to be made that maybe one criteria doesn't count as its own thing, but 
if you combine certain criteria, it can get to the point of being a different release. I don't personally do this, but I think with games like World Class Track Meet, people definitely, uh, they they don't, I don't think they go criteria by criteria and they're like, oh, well, the title, the publisher and the game code changed. And that that is my criteria for determining a different release. They just kind of intuitively feel like, you know, there's enough different here that I'm going to count this as its own thing. So, and this gets into how how I do things and how how I would recommend for people. I mean, if you're just doing it for yourself, God bless you. Do whatever you want. Uh, and who cares, right? Like, And that's how you really should be approaching this. You're doing it for you. You're doing your own releases. It does not matter. Decide your criteria. Just be as consistent as possible. You will always run into instances that challenge your consistency. You're, there's always these weird cases. Don't let the exceptions ruin your rules, okay? So, to, like, try to keep mm. that in mind. I would say if you come across an exception, you need to redefine your criteria and then uh, go no. and reevaluate everything to make sure your list remains. No, I, I disagree because Ooh. if it's one if it's one exception, like if it's one weird thing, you're just like, okay, there's only one weird instance. Do I have to recreate my my rules? Don't don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Okay, especially when you're just trying to get the list down. Especially when I go a little bit further. Especially when it's your own list understand what the exceptions are, be able to call out your exceptions and tell people when an exception has happened so they can see it. So they don't, so it doesn't undermine your rules. Right. And I, now if you're finding exception after exception, if you've got 30 of the same exception, then that's when you're like, okay, I'm seeing a consistent break in my rules. That's when I think you come back to it from a data standpoint and say, okay, after like maybe redefine this. So um, what I'm going to advocate for, and, and this is, this comes down to a whole different list philosophy when we get into like what your column should be because a lot of people's columns look like this. Game title. Do I own it? Check or no check. And that's it. That's their whole list. That's their whole system list. That's it. And those titles will be wrong a lot of times. Uh, do they put the the first? Do they do a comma the? Do they do they exclude the word the entirely? Um, do they put in all the subtitles? There's just a lot of shitty things that go wrong in a title. I wish every game just had a unique identifier code, um, which was, you know, along with titles, so we could just track everything. If I could just make everyone buy into my universal code, like if we could say, here's all the video games exist, and I could just assign a unique identifier to each one of them, it, we would be in a better place. Do Anyways. stadium events and world class track meet have the same code though? Do no, Pro Protector and Contra have the same no, code? No, no, they definitely get they definitely get different codes. Do Tetris and Worlds and Tetris Worlds that has the online play have the they same get code? Different, they get different codes, and here's why. Yeah, look, that's unique identifiers. You can issue as many as you want, and that way you can break down the differences. Because I'm not doing one column, and I'm not doing two columns. I'm not doing the title and the unique identifier code, and then, like, do you own it? So this is what I'm talking about. You go further. And this is the problem with lists, is they usually don't go further, because every column is more effort, and it becomes a pain in the ass. And the reason I want, I want, and this, a lot of people disagree because what I'm building is basically the background of a database so you can call out things you want, but also I want my list to look like this. I want the year it came out. I want the system listed. Even though if your list is only Game Boy, you're like, why do I need to put the system there? Because what if you combine it with another list and you want to attach it? Uh, I want to know what region it came out of. I want to know if it's got a variant title. I want to know its publisher. Keep going. Add as many columns as you can because 
it allows you to put filters on there. Like in the minute you can start filtering stuff out, you're like, oh, is this a publisher variant? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Like then you have this column on there and you can be like, I don't want to see what would be the publisher variant. Boom. Now your list is simplified to a game that does not call out publisher variants. And every time you can hit another filter, you can start distilling your big list. Like you said, Tyler, throw everything on there. I want to do the same thing, but instead of just having a little caveat list like I talked about at the bottom, I want to bake those caveats into columns so everybody who takes this list can create exactly what they want for themselves. You can create your own personalized best list, but we still have all of the information captured. Yeah. And so, for example, uh, I'm just going to go to Xbox. It's another set I know really well. I think an important thing to do when you're making, say, a list of Xbox games, even for someone like me who I'm just like, I just need one of every game, black label, and I'm going to be good. I want to track every single multi-pack because there are so many different kinds of releases of software that someone might count and I might not. And I realize I'm making a list for me, but my criteria might change over time because I'm I'm constantly rethinking how to organize information. It's an excellent or, point. That's an excellent point, Organizing information Tyler. is a fucking nightmare for video games just because all the different ways they're released, especially these days. Tyler, it's a really important point that you made that your mind can change with new information and you should be open to that, right? Like, oh, maybe I wasn't doing as well. Like if I look at my old list, I cringe because I did not do what I would be doing now because I made these lists 15 years ago and how I make a, a list 15 or 17 years ago compared to now is a lot different. So like just as you get open to new things and, and as we learn more, the fact that you're like, oh no, I, this... I've changed my mind on this. I need to add this or take this away is a really good thing for people to keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. And like while I was like working on like documenting Xbox teams, I might have changed my mind about something with NES and I might need to go back to that list and like rethink what I was documenting in there. In terms of this multi-pack thing, I think there are some people who intuitively discount like box sets but then might include something like Outlaw Golf Seablade, which is just like two games on one disc that was released on Xbox. Or they had like Jet Set Radio Future, uh, Sega GT 2002, which was a pack-in. And and I, I've talked about all these different like exceptions. Like there are all multi-packs, but does it matter uh, how it's released? So I think Outlaw Golf Seablade is on like a single disc with a menu. So technically the software is unique. It's not its own it's not just like two discs that are the same game because technically it has like a unique menu wow and then um there's games like the tom classy clancy classic trilogy which is three games on a single spindle there's there's no black label release called the tom clancy classic trilogy but all three games on that spindle are games that have already been released and they're platinum hits so like do you where do you draw the line with something like that you got like big box bundles, you got box sets, the the Halo triple pack and Grand Theft Auto bundles. Well, I mean, and it just comes down to it, right? So uh, the like the Tom Clancy example, that has a unique title, right? Oh, if you're a title person, the same with the Jet Set Future and the Sega GT. Like that, they wind up putting like S Sega GT, like a four to you go throw back to Nintendo, Metroid Prime and Wind Waker, right? on one disc, but you put that slash in there because even though both of those games exist, uh, it's one disc. So it's a unique title, but with a multi-pack, you know, you're like, Oh, that, that was a Sonic 
those Sonic Monkey Ball packs, those are just a cardboard sleeve which contain the two games. Like, so what people do is they say, oh, it's just the greatest hit games and they dismiss them. And the question for me is really, should you just, if you're talking about individual software releases, should you take the name of that bundle and put that there? Not count it as two games. You're like, this is a software release. We're not talking about individual. Here's a software release. It counts. And it is called this thing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't even put those in my list. I create a separate list of all multi-packs. And I re- I mean, like some people might want something like Outlaw Golf Seablade, they might move that over to the Black Label releases because it's it's all on one disc. But oh, for like me, it's Nintendo, just easier. Mario and more Duck consistent. Hunt what? is in the six. Mario Duck Hunt's in the six seventy seven. Fuck that, dude! Mario Duck Hunt, Mario Duck Hunt World Class, or is it Mario Duck Hunt World Class Track Meet? What's the one with World yeah. Class Track Meet? Okay, yeah. yeah, get get that shit out of the NES list. What are you talking about, guys? You no one include. There's like that that charity PS2 set that's got like three games in the white box. What is that called? I don't remember, but, but it's like this, super rare, and no they one do that has for, that on their PS2 list. Get they the they hell do out that for Mario PS3, PS3, and PS4. I think they do a release every year for that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, and then once you get into modern games, like uh, just with like the collector's editions and all that, like I'm not, I'm not Ga- getting all game that of the year list. variant. Well, what? How do you look at game of the year variants where they have where it's a completely different game by the time the game of the year variant comes out? See, I don't, I don't know what to do with that either. I, I don't know if I've come up with a consistent way to do that. But there's games on on Xbox. Just going back to Xbox, Morrowind Game of the Year includes like two expansions for Morrowind, and they're huge. They're really big expansions. This is a significant chunk it's of the big game upgrade. Yeah. Um, I, like I, I have to go check if I counted that as a, a separate release or not. Um, uh, so I might I'll, have I'll not. Talk. Yeah, you can you can look, but I'll I'll throw this question out while you check that. Um, if you're talking about playing games, people like, and Tyler, you're a big proponent of poo-pooing the greatest hit released or the, the player's choice or, or whatever. But I'm saying from a playing standpoint, that's going to be the version with the latest revision in the code. Most of the extras thrown on like playable. That's probably going to be the best version of the game to play. Like in most cases, talking as a generic, yes, there'll be individual cases where maybe that isn't true. But in most cases, the best version of the game to play is going to be the greatest hits. So all these people who talk about, oh, I just want to play the game. I want to play play the best version of the game. Are, are you guys buying greatest hits? Just, I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, they probably are because, I mean, a lot of times they're also the most affordable versions, especially if you get into like expensive games. How, how do you feel about that, though? How do I feel about what? Like, does that does that give you pause at all that? No, you're buying the inferior version of the game just because it's the original. Like, the you- idea that I'm um, buying games for my collection to play has gone so far out the window as I'm buying like Japanese computer games from 40 years ago that have never even been translated into English, Johnny. So I absolutely don't care. I just want the coolest version for my shelf, basically. Okay. I, Fair. you know, what? I've got every single, the best playable version of every single game, Johnny, it's sitting on my hard drive on my computer. <laughs> so, you know, I agree with you. Um, yeah. I was just throwing it out there for the conversation. Um, another thing that I think you have to consider with lists in terms of, uh, what is really going to count as a criteria? What is going to count as a release is non games, because I think 
this is another part. This is a part where I think it might almost be impossible to be perfectly consistent, especially if you start combining eras in different consoles. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to supersede you because I think I'm sorry, Tyler, what I want to know before even that, because this gets into, I think uh, a big delineation is retail versus non-retail releases. Like, I think you need to define if you were looking at that or you're not looking at that because a lot of these things will, will not make your list if you're not, or hopefully you just have a column that says whether it's retail or not retail, you know, and licensed and unlicensed. But I think that's a, a big sticking point because a lot of times, um, and for me, I'm a big retail. I like, I it's like, I just want to know what the retail releases were because everything else gets very weird. And when it, be, when it becomes not a retail release, it gets really foggy about how that game exists. So I don't want to deal with all of that arbitrary nonsense. So putting a big line in the sand, like I only care about things you could buy in the store. And I'm not talking about promo items. You could buy from the website. I'm not talking about stuff that was maybe a sample copy or and like, I'm going to just, I'm going to go into this for people who don't know what factory production looks like. So you could have a game that looks like a retail game. In every sense of the word, it could have a UPC code, a manual, a box, everything about it was created so it could be a retail release. And they might have 50 to 100 of these samples. And they won't even say sample because they are made as it is going to be a retail release. There's also going to be test runs of this before. There are like several iterations of a product that can exist and even the exact product that will go to retail before it's released to retail that go out for testing, go out to, for reviews, all this kind of stuff happens and it will look like a retail release, but it's never released in retail, but they exist. And so knowing when that happens is very important. So just like, know, so when you find a game and you're like, that's weird, we can never find a box for this or, oh, that's weird. Uh, we've only ever seen this game complete one time. Think about what uh, it's called a minimum order quantity MOQ, right? If you think about what the minimum order quantity is for any game, it, especially if it's fairly modern, it's a lot. It's a big number. It's thousands. If we can only find one, that's very weird. That's that's a weird outlier. Why would it, that exist? They're like, oh my God, it's a retail release. It's a one of one. No, guys, that's not how retail releases work. Like if you're like, well, we've only ever found six. That's crazy. That's that's like something weird and tragic would have had to have happened. Even stadium events, which was an older game, which had lower minimum order quantities, which uh, we know some were destroyed. Um, do we know that? I'm, yes, I'm going to get the no, citation on that one. I do have a source. I cannot tell you right now because I have not approved. But yeah, like 100% confirmed that many were destroyed. Okay, so I can I can tell I can tell you and promise you that. But. Even in cases, like even if you don't want to talk about Stadium, any game where they were recalled and or large versions were destroyed, there's still a bunch out there. Like we know of several Stadium events. So like, how would it modern stuff? And you're like, I have only seen three of these. That's that's weird. And like, I, it's just I just want people to think about what a retail release is and know all the things that can go into it, and then be able to decide was this actually a retail release or wasn't it. Even though everything that looks about it may say, yeah, this was probably going to be a retail release. 
doesn't mean it was released at retail. So you have to draw that line in the sand. I only want I mean, you certainly don't have to, because I, I will respectfully you, disagree with you that I don't care about the concept of a retail release. I care well, if you could get a video game. Well, that 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 opens you up to a, that's why I said that opens you up to a bunch of fog and I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in, in neat, clean classifications and how I want to build. I'm not saying I'm not documenting all that, but this is a column in my list that I want to be able to filter. If I sure. find a new instance of something, but I want to, when I'm collecting, and this is what it comes down to, I'm going to, I'm going to always share everything I can find with people, but I want people to be able to say, this is a bunch of trash. I don't care about all this hokum. Let's get rid of it. So the thing with something like retail releases, especially with certain sets uh, and like Japanese sets that I'm collecting, there are a lot more games that you didn't just go to the store to buy. And I'm not talking contest prizes. This isn't Nintendo World Championships, but Motoko-chan No Wonder Kitchen you got with mayonnaise UPCs. And there's a pachinko game that you could only get by redeeming pachinko balls. So none of those are retail releases, but no, they're those all are just cool. There's there are there there are promotional releases though. Just like you can get, you know, Star Fox Weekend and Donkey Kong Championship, you could get them, you could purchase them, but they were promotional items. See, I mean, we're we're just gonna go down our normal rabbit hole of exceptions. I wouldn't count those because you could only buy those used. I would okay. definitely make a note at the bottom of my SNES list, like, hey. I'm not counting these because you could only buy them used, but they definitely are contest prizes that do exist. Um, but I'm not putting them in my set list personally. Okay, so but NWC Gold exists on your list. No, because that was a contest prize. So you no, see, I do have some semblance. So what? But, I don't count but contest it prizes. I do count things that And it's that not you, used. But it's so yeah, NWC but in my my used. personal Gold list. Isn't. If you could get it somehow and you didn't have to you win could it get or it. earn it, then I count it. You have to earn it if you got to send in UPCs. No, you could just buy it. You just buy like a couple jars of mayonnaise and then you can get it. That That's still being able to get it. Okay, disagree. That's not a retail <laughs> release for me. That's a promotional release. Oh, no, release. it's not a retail release. But Yeah, that's and that's what I care about. Like just promotional releases. <laughs> I think it can gets- be a promo. Um, without being like a contest prize, and I still that's, want promos. That's true. That aren't like, and I'm and I'm fine. I'm fine with a, a delineation in that column. Like, what kind of release is this? Contest prize, unreleased, uh, you know, sample cart, test cart, you know, oh, uh, promotional item. Okay, cool. Promo, yeah, fine. But that's that's the point of having the columns and having a bunch of good stuff in the column, so you can see what is what, and then being able to call it out. So I agree that I wouldn't list those as the same as the contest prizes, I would want to be able to see those as a separate category. But in like this overall header that I'm talking about retail versus non-retail, um, those would fall in my non-retails. Okay. Um, so uh, let me bring this up now because you keep talking about columns and I think once you get to all these different criteria, a spreadsheet gets a little unwieldy. Like I guess you could just have a column for retail release, yes, no, promotional release, yes, no. Yep. You know, well, US no, you, re- or region and all that no, kind of stuff. So, like, release type, it would be... So, retail is a super header, and then you would have a column that, like, talks about release type. And then it's, like, released, unreleased, contest, prize, promo. Um, you have to decide what your super headers are and what's worthy of a column and what isn't. what And what what should just be embedded in a, in a different column that's a, a better super header. Okay. 
See, I maybe I'm lazier with my database design, or I just constantly come up with uh, different things, and I don't want to like reform the structure of my entire database. But I just have a tag section uh, for each game, and I throw things in there like uh, US set. So I'll have a tag for US set, and that will be what I consider the set of US games. And that changes all the time. But I have a tag for like homebrew. I have a tag for licensed and a tag for unlicensed. And I realize all of these could be their own database columns, but it's just yep. easier for me to kind of throw some of this stuff into a single field so it's not cluttering myself up with a yeah. hundred different database columns. So what I like about like, so I, in my example is I'm using Excel where you're, you're not going to have tags, right? Yeah. Um, so I like to have those available and then give that to people and then they can filter the columns and then throw tags on top of it. Tags are great, but not everybody uses tags and not every database can read tags. So I want to, what I want to do is create a list that is such a structure um, behind the scenes of anything it goes into. So it's a list, but also like a mini database, like really it's the architecture behind the database. It's like, oh, okay, it goes in and then it spits out through a database and, you know, can be used uh, by multiple things. So I, I try to create it in the most generic way yeah. possible. I mean, if you so could export it, it to just a straight CSV and anything could read it, then that would be exactly. the most portable thing. That's how, and that's how I try to make it. That's my data design. Yeah. Uh, you're a lot smarter um, than me, I'm sure, because you're a data guy. But I, if you're willing to live on the edge, I recommend people check out... Uh, I don't even know the spreadsheet database hybrids. They're all called Airtable alternatives, uh, which is sort of it's a database with the interface of a spreadsheet. So it's like Excel, but you could do a little bit more in terms of treating it like a database, like adding tags and uh, things like that. And there, so there's Airtable, there's C table, there's Notion, which is what I personally use. There's, there's a whole category of things like that. I think Notion is the most unreasonably generous with how much space they give you. Like you can have unlimited file uploads up to five megabytes, unlimited size database. It, Notion is just ridiculous. They must have so much venture capital money behind them. Uh, but there, there are other ones that if you if you are going to have a list under 10,000 items, like the world is your oyster on where you can host your database. Yeah. See, and I, I like all that stuff, um, especially because image hosting becomes a lot smarter. Like... Uh, just if you want to throw an image or multiple images and you're using Excel list, you're screwed. Do you like, just remember Excel is just the back end. You need some other interface to make this a, a better system. Um, and tags would be nice, but like I said, I I'm keeping things like pretty generic. Uh, anybody can do on the fly, throw up a Google sheet and, you know, go without, without having to learn too much. All right, let me, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take us back into the weeds here, but I think I'm hoping this is my last time going back into the weeds, Johnny. Non-games. Um, yeah, yeah, this, that's, you were, you were there and like. You took us I, down I, something completely different. Well, I took you down the retail column because I want to, okay, I want to know right. because some of these non-games uh, weren't, aren't retail releases, but I do like the column, it, like game or non-game. And I don't really have this in there, but I, I like the idea of this. So people could then say like, oh, San Diego Zoo or whatever animals on the Sega CD is not actually a game or is actually a game. Um, but y the problem with that field is you get into personal definitions of what is a game. I feel like you so. kind of, so we have like our definition of what counts as a release we want to track on the spreadsheet that we're making. Uh, yeah, whatever whatever we've decided, what criteria matter in terms of an individual row on our database. Then when you get to the concept of a non-game, it's you start having to make this whole different definition of like, okay, what counts as a video game? Because 
Taboo the Sixth Sense, I think, is not a video game. It's a novelty piece of software. Color a Dinosaur is, it's not a video game because there's no goal. There's nothing to do in that. Like, videomation, all of a sudden, like, you know, there's 10, 15 games in the NES library that all of a sudden I don't count as games anymore. But, like, they're such clearly a part of the NES library that I'm going to count them. Like, Color a Dinosaur is obviously on my NES list. That's a freaking NES game, right? Is it? Yes, it is. So, the thing is... Any definite so the, what I want to exclude are things like Dreamcast web browser or the Xbox Live Arcade or Xbox Live Video Chat di- or Xbox modern Video Rock. Chat Disc. What? Modern Rock karaoke. Yeah, Colors of Modern Rock is like a, a Sega CD disc of music videos. And like I start thinking about this, it's like yeah, I kind of don't want that stuff on my list. And I go back to NES, and it's like well. You know, Videomation is just a shitty paint program. That's not a game either. And, and what like about Mario Paint? Compton's Encyclopedia. Mario Paint counts as a game because it's got the fly swatting game, Johnny. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, see, you, see, you have to go into things like that. Like, is Mario Paint a game? On, like, the 99% surface of how you use Mario Paint as software, no. It's a fun piece of software. You can draw and make music and all that. But then it has this tiny little bit where there technically is a game in Mario Paint. So is Mario Paint a non-game? So is the Sega Master System 2 um, Mini, is that a game? Because it has a game housed inside of it internally? Oh, man, John, you were getting into... (laughs) Oh, you love that question. I know you I love it. Lo- I, maybe. Maybe. I think I would lean towards yes. I don't even have that on my master system list, but now that you're bringing it up, it's like, maybe. Like, oh, I shit. don't know. How, how different is that pe- from uh, Virtua Fighter on Sega Saturn that only came as a Saturn pack-in? And I realize that has its own piece of physical media. Like, you get the disc with the game. It's not built in. Oh, man. Yeah, there's probably but- other consoles with games built in, too. Like, is there... You're you're blowing yeah. my mind here, Johnny. You're welcome. Um, okay, is there like a yeah. DS with a built-in game or something? Uh, is, I'm sure. What, is Picto Chat built in? Is that a game? I don't know. Yeah, Picto Chat. <laughs> Picto Chat is built in. I don't think it's a game though. But there to make it to get uh, Tyler, rest your brain for a second. I'll I'll bring us back into to non-games. So if you're looking at Super Nintendo, you might see like Super Game Boy because it's almost in a Game Boy size box. That that's not. That's not, that's a piece of hardware that you add. It's not a game. Uh, X-Band, not a game, but you could, you could list it if, if you wanted. I, I wouldn't recommend it, but people do list it. Web browsers are, I think, the best example to me, uh, especially since I've made some like pretty strong declarations that don't count the three web browsers. Cause people are like, do you have the web browser three? The one's super rare. You gotta go get it. I'm like, no, it's a, fucking web browser i don't need it to complete my dreamcasts set of games get out of here so i think you're almost forced to be subjective here because i don't think anyone wants to remove games like color a dinosaur and taboo the sixth sense because they're so clearly identical in form and everything to all the other pieces of nes software out there so they're going to be in the set but there's all those little like bullshit discs the yeah, Xbox Live Arcade and, disc and Compton's Encyclopedia has a, a the form factor is exactly the same as any other Sega CD game. Exactly, you're not talking about the pack in. So these are the things where I think you have to say like, if I'm excluding it, you got to put it at the bottom of your list and be like, I'm specifically not counting uh, the colors of modern rock 
because it's not a video game. It's some mail wave music CD thing. Yep. I mean, which gets into like, and for me, and I, I know this is not tenable. Like for me, I want as many columns as, and, and as many delineations. So it's like type of game. Okay. Software, um, you know, like not a game game. And then like type of game. Um, this is an encyclopedia. This is, you know, this is an action adventure game. This is, this is a puzzle game. This is, and then you get to like, you would have these ones that would come up that would be like, uh, encyclopedia software. You're like, Oh, this is not, these aren't games. And if you ha- filter the not a game, t- you would see all of these things that suddenly are not games. But so in your list, how how does your list differentiate between Compton's Encyclopedia and Dreamcast Web Browser? Are those equivalent in your list then? Yeah, yes. They're under not a game. Huh. See, because I, I would want to filter and I wouldn't want Dreamcast Web Browsers to show up, but I would want Compton's to show up. So here here's how and I really, that's would... not consistent at all. That's just yeah, how I would so, want it. Yeah, but if my list would be talking about what is a game and what's not a game. So not a game. If you just filtered over not a game, which is crazy because I'm thinking like I would put Compton's. But in my Sega CD list, I have Compton's. I have it on there. Should I have it on there? I don't know. Like this has been a sticking point for us for a long time. I don't know what the hell to do with Compton's because I, I haven't fully decided. I just want to be able to classify it. And then again, just comes down to what you build. Like for me, like if it came in the form factor, like much like color dinosaur, if it came in the form factor of the set, I'm putting it in the set because it sounds crazy not to, but then web browser, you can argue the same thing. And I'm like, you don't need that. So it gets, it gets a little weird, but web browser, you also don't use the same way. Like yeah. that, it, it, there's some, there's a functional different, like you will flip through Compton's encyclopedia a lot differently. Like you'll interact with it more the way you would interact with the game than you would with the web browser, because that, the web browser was designed with the idea that the Dreamcast has a keyboard that you're using instead of just, you know, your controller, it, it becomes a different kind of experience. For uh, you could say the same thing for Xbox Live Arcade or the X-Band cartridge for Super Nintendo. Those are ways yeah. to like access a service. You're accessing the internet through the web browser, but the software itself isn't really what's important. It's not you're using uh, like Compton's Encyclopedia. You're going on a multimedia adventure when you boot up Compton's Encyclopedia. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, There is a utility difference. And I'm not exact. Like I, the problem is I don't know exactly how to slice that yet. Like I, my brain hasn't figured that out in which way to call that out specifically. See, I 100% agree when you're putting it into like a big old database of everything you're tracking, it's really hard to filter out like, okay, I just, I intuitively, I just kind of want this to count and I don't want this other thing to count. And that's why I have the tags. So I would have a tag for set under Compton's Encyclopedia and I wouldn't have a tag for part of the set under Dreamcast web browser. Oh yeah, the the utility of the tag there helps a lot. Like I would, you know, for me that would be a column. Like does this count for the set? Set yes or no. Like and then which may contain not games. All right, do we want to talk about so the ne- there's I mean we don't have to go through every criteria that could be possibly applied to a game because then we'll get into like, well, it could be a TM that turns into an R. Uh, but the next big one, I think, is region. And rather than talking about whether region matters, I think we should talk about how we organize our lists. Because I'm going to guess that a lot of people only want a list of U.S. games. or th- like re- 
I would say the most popular way to organize a list is to start with the the concept of a platform and a region. And I want all the games for this platform for this region. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I, it's a weird thing. And I, you know, a couple of years ago, I had like a, a revelation moment uh, where I was like, oh, man, this isn't exact. Like my brain, I, like I caught a hitch and I was like, I'm defining this as region, especially as I explored more, more regions like. But as you look into games and you're talking about just the region, what does that mean exactly? Like everyone, not everyone, but a large population is like, okay, I'm just collecting collecting uh, U.S. games. And then we switch our language to North American because like, oh yeah, Canada and Mexico count. But there are specific regional releases that are like CAN releases, at least the language codes uh, on the boxes and stuff or in the UPCs. And there's definitely some that are only Mexico. Um, so like we started to incorporate that. But regions are fuzzier than people think, especially when you think about, okay, I want all the Super Nintendo games. And usually what that means is to whatever region you're in. But Super Nintendo was available in America and North or North America and also Europe uh, as a platform in like Brazil, right? Um, South America, but not Japan because it was had a different name there. So what do you, what do you do with that as an idea? You break it down into regions, but then even regions get a little weird because if you, Think about South America. Well, do you count all the the Playtronic releases? Are those individual releases because they ha- they were released in that region? Like, do you care about regional variants, or is it only one of every title? People, and this is where people I think get just like, oh, I'm just going by title, and as long as I have one in this big super region of North America, I'm okay. So I basically, uh, I just don't. I, I, I try not to get in the weeds too much with regional things. And a lot of the way I do that is I, I don't track things like South American releases and I don't track things like European releases. And it's really easy for Japanese things because uh, for the consoles that I'm mostly interested in, uh, like Famicom and NES, it's super easy to just consider those different consoles and Super Famicom and Super Nintendo. It's easy to just separate them out into different consoles. So yep. I don't run into the situation where I'm I'm wondering like, do I just put Probotector under Contra? Because uh, th- those are the same game, and I, I don't want to have to think about things like that. It, it gets confusing. Um, so I, I'm the, very The name much, swap is hard. Uh, what, what was that? I said the name swap is hard. Yes. When it's the same Because, I mean, in, in my brain, the way different... I track games, yes, Probotector and Contra are the same game. Uh, but then, like, having this big, messy list of, like, all the... Because my... my base node for all the games is going to be the US release and then it's going to be like here's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles but then the the PAL release is called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles and then you know there's going to be a bunch of PAL games that don't have US equivalents it's just going to be a big it's going to be messy to track that information because organizing information like this is super hard so just completely splitting up the regions I think makes it a lot easier because then again you get into the thing where like exactly what I'm talking about games have different titles even if it's the same exact title just translated into french or something those are different titles and they have different code technically because the title screen is going to be in french so yeah i like i like splitting up lists based on region even though those are the same game and we're just talking about geopolitical constructs that aren't real johnny countries aren't real uh rage against the machine told me to destroy all nations yeah so on your pro protector one i think it's interesting 
like that's like a weird edge case scenario for me where I'm almost like, do I need Probe Protector because they changed the sprites? And I, I I've argued this on the show before. The change of those sprites changes the story for me because robots fighting aliens is different than people stopping an alien invasion. I know it's all subjective, but like, yeah, I agree that it, it, even in the gameplay sense, like murdering people is like a different emotional reaction to murdering robots. So, I mean, yeah. it it makes the game a bit different. Yeah. But if you're just talking about rogue name changes, it's like, so I, I just wanted to get throw out an example for Super Nintendo versus uh, some PAL stuff. Um, and that's usually how we do it you're just like it's either uh you know ntsc jp or 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 na or it's pal and that's it no don't worry about don't worry about all those other small asian nations who have their own like we're not going to worry about we only talk about these three it's uh you know it's the great it's the great washing of all those other little regions that we just forget about but you get uh champions world-class soccer all right that's us we it's a great game right but if you go to pal there are three individual releases of this depending on the country so you have championships world-class soccer endorsed endorsed by uh paris saint germain that's the french version uh same thing endorsed by sep mayor that's the german version i know i butchered that name and uh endorsed by ryan Giggs. that's the british version all different boxes have some differences, different titles, but it's all the same world class uh, uh, championship, world class soccer. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, one, I hate it, and two, do you actually have this information organized on a list somewhere? I do. Okay, because like this, this is the kind of information that I'd be like, you know what? I know I'm never going to collect all this European stuff. It's just not like a region I'm interested in, and there's already so much information to organize i'm not even interested in like modern consoles there's like tens of thousands maybe not tens of thousands maybe tens of thousands tens of thousands of games i just am not interested in i basically two thousands my cutoff and it's just like i'm not even getting into those weeds but there's still so much information just to cover with between u.s and japanese games from the 70s to 2000s that's like i can't even think about these soccer variants that you're talking about on super nintendo so this isn't something like I, I might take this fact that you just told me that there are all these weird releases and try to store it in my brain. But trying to put this into my database and into my list is just going to cause me to go insane. Yeah. So that so that's like I, I brought that up because it's an extremely weird case where the region got three different titles. And that's like really the only one I know about that, at least for Super Nintendo. That's like that. And I'm, this isn't Japan. This is so that like because I. You guys know, I decided I was like, I'm going to go get all the unique Super Nintendo releases. Like, I'm going to be absent of region. I just want one of every game for the Super Nintendo. So then I had to look at name swaps and like what are what games were released in PAL, but never here. Um, so I created a list for that. And then I got these name swaps. Uh, and that that's like a weird one. Like, I don't know what to do with that name swap because it like creates three different games. And uh, Super Probe Protector is the other one that's like weird for me because the sprite change. Like, those are actually just name changes to the same game. But like, should I put them over on the exclusive list? I don't know. Um, I mean, but I don't have this information for all systems because there's so much information. It's like... It's an insane amount of information. And if you want to know how many games changed names for the Super Nintendo between Europe and uh, the U.S., there uh, there are 60, is what I have, or 59 games, at least, that had name changes. Yeah. And this may not be entirely right. This is just 
my first pass, which is never right. There's probably a couple I missed. Yeah. And I think the the most the easiest way to look at that information for regional releases, I like seeing here's a list of every game that came out in America, according to whatever criteria we have. Here's a list of the quote unquote PAL exclusives for this region. And then having a third list of here's all the games that are the same game as the North American release, but had a different name. And I know there are websites that have all information laid out nicely on one page. I don't think that's the normal way that people look at things like what came out in Europe. I think the normal way that most Americans look at it are like, there are these 30 PAL exclusives and everything else doesn't matter. Um, I think it's valuable to have things like the name changes just because I think they're maybe collectively interesting. Yeah. Like who doesn't want to know about uh, the adventures of Yogi bear versus Yogi bears cartoon caper. I definitely, you know what? I take it back. I don't. (laughs) How, how about we all love super BC kid, right? Uh, what's Super BC Kid? Bonk, Super Bonk. Super BC Kid. Yeah. What? The, that's Super Before what, Christ. So kid. like, Go Bonk is PC Denji game. in Japan, so they changed it to BC because they're like, oh, PC BC because he's B- before, before BC. Yeah. What? But yeah, that's before so dumb. Christ. Before. Yeah, you're like that is a weird naming convention. It doesn't exactly work because like cavemen, as you're looking at them, weren't necessarily just BC. Uh, <laughs> that's a very specific delineation and calendars that has nothing to do with cavemen. Um, but all right. Yeah. He's BC kid. Sure. Uh, Sensible soccer versus championship soccer, soccer kid versus kid cleats. Yeah. Kid cleats. All right, Johnny, what else do we got to, uh, talk about with stupid lists? Well, I, I think, I, I think as we're talking about regions, um, you know, and we were touching on it, briefly we can just I, I i think we've kind of captured the things you need to think about there's not a complete list like you should just think about how many columns you want like how big are you going how if, if you can put tags and if you can't tag it putting a column which you could call out said tags like for region um you know alternative name titles like the other thing that i discovered like which is really gross especially on like when i looked at ps1 the name on the disc isn't necessarily the name on the cover of the game, which isn't necessarily the name on the spine of the game. So, like, do you need to, like, list all three of those titles? I don't know. Oh, no. um, well, you actually touched. I, I should be looking. I don't know why I'm not looking at my database while we're recording this episode. But I think that is a super, super important thing to keep track of, because as someone who has combined my uh, world class track meet uh listing under my stadium events so i've got stadium events is the parent node and then world-class track meet is just a variant within that node i have a column in my spreadsheet for other names of this game so the stadium events listing has an other names column and it has world-class track meet in there because there are so many games with just these minor differences like you're talking about and uh I, I have some Japan like there's Japanese games that I have like I have the Japanese title as the game title, but then I have the translated title as the other name. So when I'm searching my database, I don't have to search it in Japanese. I can search for, you know, Super Mario Brothers and it'll just come up with the Japanese one. Yeah, so PS1 has like quite a few of these. Like um ESPN Extreme, like one extreme is the Yeah, exactly the name. And then it's like ESPN, ESPN two extreme games is a different title on the same game. Uh, you, oh man, what, what's the big one? Like Tekken, 
Tekken Two is like a dumb one. Let me let me open my list and just like look at <laughs> like what's on the spine versus like uh, Tiger Woods PGA Golf. So it's Tiger Woods ninety nine PGA Golf Tour versus Tiger Woods PGA Tour Golf ninety nine. Just get some dumb get dumb shit like I this. I don't. It's so yeah, worst. I think the important thing is I don't want to have to choose the canonical title for a video game because. Even something like the title on the box versus the title when you boot it up. And what what's the what a stack up is called like robot block when you boot it up, right? Or is that gyromite? One of them has uh, the wrong name. I think it's stack up. Yeah, I think stack. It's because it's just the Famicom game. So the software is called like robot block, but the name on the box is stack up. So what's the real name of the game? I mean, yes, ninety nine point nine percent of people are just gonna say, well, it's fucking stack up. That's what it says in the box. But I have a column that says robot block, just just in case I'm ever thinking about that. Yeah, and I really think it de- depends on like what what you're building your list for. Uh, for me, what you know what name I want? I want the name on the spine. That like that's that's my canonical name because if I am looking for it and I'm going through my shelves, that's the name I'm going to see. I'm not going to see the name on the front cover, which is where they have more room, right? And they might do the fancier name, um, but that's kind of why I want both. But if I'm looking for it, I, I want to know what what the spy name is. That's like my my name. But I, like, what do I think the most important name is? Is probably the name on the front of the box and the name on the title screen. I think are both probably more important than that. Um, but for me personally, like for my my need, my need is greater with the spine. I feel like the spine name is most likely to be different from the title screen in front of the box. Oh, absolutely. Cause there's <laughs> like less room. Definitely there's... the worst one to pick as your canonical name. Well, uh, but, but that's why I said, but that's my use case, right? Because my spines face out and that's what I'm seeing, right? If I'm looking like the spine on a library book, you want, that's what you're looking for. I mean, they have a, a number code, a unique, it's like they have a unique de- identifier via the Dewey decimal system, which creates a way to organize things better than we do. Um, yeah, but that's just how I'm using it. All right. And then but uh... that's why I also said you should list multiple, right? That's why I was like, I want to go through this thing and nobody's done this yet. I, I did it for the PS one and what a, what a slog that was. But yeah, like I feel like I should go through the super Nintendo and check both like really what I would want in an ideal world. And I, I don't know if I've said this before is look at the box. I want to know left spine and right spine and front front of box and cart titles. Which sounds crazy, but a lot of Super Nintendo titles, they don't have on the, as I'm calling, the right spine. That would be as you're looking at the front of the game in front of you, uh, or laying on its back, looking up. On your right, there would be a spine. If you turned it over, a lot of those right spines just don't have a title printed on them. But the left spine usually does. So I want to know if that game didn't have a title printed on the left spine. That just like as personal knowledge, like, oh, this one didn't. Uh, this one didn't get a title there. Okay. But on the left, it's over here. And are they ever different on the right and left spine? I don't know. I have not done the work to, to know, but I would like to know. And how many of those are different from that? And then how many of those are different from the cart? So like I'm insane and I want at least four t- titles and possibly five. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that seems super basic. Like you would think like someone has gone through the Super Nintendo set and documented any time that like there's title variants and stuff. 
but like, what's the what, SNES Central? I bet that even SNES Central doesn't have all this shit documented. So if you made a really good list of this, you don't even have to own the games. You can get this information from eBay. But if you just go through and make a like a canonical list of every like this is the side title, this is the front title, this is the cart title, this is the title screen title. I bet no one has done that, even for a console as like the super popular and all time classic as Super Nintendo. Or and even not only like, just document it yourself, you put that list out there, then you could be the guy who documented that shit. This is something that's super easy that you could add to like a video game sage collecting guide kind of forum thread. Just yeah, easy way to help people. I I didn't say it, but also the, the top of the box and like bottom of the box is a little bit more prevalent on Ness. But like yeah, side titles versus top box title versus front title like like this is all interesting same with super nintendo and it's all about space right it's the economy of space for these titles so uh, obviously on the top flap of a next nest box you have a much smaller space so if you were going to minimize a title you would put it there but if that's what people see and and this is the problem with lists right and why all lists are bad when we went into the reason in that episode because all these titles are messed up everywhere. Because you don't know which title they're using. And a list could theoretically have... If any one of these zones could theoretically have a different title, we don't know the title that they picked or what zone they picked it from. So suddenly, you just have a mishmash of all these titles running through these lists as we've just collected it. Or people have just shortened names colloquially. As time has gone by, we just start to know it. Oh, it's called this. But really... There's the sub names that people don't put on. It's like, oh, I, I forgot there is like, uh, you know, a dash and then a whole other part of the name. I've I've been shortening it this whole time. And we, we do that a lot. So there's just a lot of problems with, with names. So it'd be nice if everything was fully listed and we could see where the names were coming from and like what angles. All right, John, do we have anything else to say about organizing uh, this data? No, I, I think... I think the next thing just to talk about, and we don't need to go into it too long. I think that's pretty much the episode is what are you doing this for? Uh, except to one, collect your games to make your set. Uh, if you are making a set or the set of individual games you want to collect, and we could get into the pitfalls of that, or, or we could save it for another time. What do you feel like? Well, what do you mean? What are you doing this for? Like, like for me, I'm doing lists to, for sets. I want to know everything that exists so I can define my set and then, buy a set of games that's how i do it i mean sure I and mean, that's that's what i'm doing too i guess mostly that's what i'm doing because a lot of times like i'll see some weird nes variant i'll just throw it in my spreadsheet i'll be like ah maybe i want to know about that later but for the most part i'm not collecting all these weird rare nes variants that no one cares about but you know yeah. if, if it's in my spreadsheet maybe i'll refer to it one day and be like oh yeah and then if i see it sometime i'll remember it in the wild or something yeah i i mean we we touched like a lot of the stuff that you do for the set, like you, if you're making your list, right, you can filter your list to decide what your set will be. I think is basically why I'm so harping on like having as many columns as you, as you can stomach to make the best list for your set as you define it, because really you're defining your set for yourself. Like, are you counting greatest hits? Or are you not counting greatest hits in your set? What do you, what do you want to do? Uh, is a special edition, a different game for you if the box says special edition on it and it comes with a tchotchke but the retail game inside is exactly the same or maybe maybe even it's not exactly the same maybe the upc is different on the box um but the game the actual cartridge itself is 
maybe the labels are different, but the game, the, the game that actually gets played, the code is exactly the same. Does that matter? Like, does it have to say special edition on the title screen? Does it have to come with something else? Like a lot of games are defined as special editions now by giving you some DLC code you add on top of it, but cartridge to cartridge, special edition and regular edition are exactly the same. So are you counting those for your set? What are you doing here? Uh, we talk a lot about this in the, in the GBA room in our Patreon, but, uh, is, are, are you looking at say something like strawberry shortcake? This is a fun one. So strawberry shortcake has a special edition and <laughs> this dumb game came with just like some GBA video footage on the strawberry shortcake cart that plays so you can see as part of the strawberry shortcake cartoon. The game itself, both games, regular edition and normal edition, are the same game, but there is this section where you can just play some video. So are these different releases? The box is different. The cost of the game is definitely different uh, if you're collecting it. But really, the, from a gameplay perspective, you're getting the same game, except you can watch a video on one. How do you count that? Are those two separate editions? Oh, no. I, for me, fundamentally, if it's the same game, I count it under the same listing, Johnny. I Remove Punch-Out from your NES list, because it's the same game as Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Johnny. Even though it doesn't have Mike Tyson in doesn't it? doesn't matter. It's the same game. They've got a different, same, very, got a different game. boss? There's not even a, there's not a Wikipedia entry for Punch-Out. It's just Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. What and about Punch-Out Classics Did we edition? ever talk about, we talked about, oh, before the show, we were talking about how, like, 3D Bomberman, it's the second Bomberman game. It's not even considered important enough to have its own wikipedia article there's no information about it the only information on wikipedia is that it appears on the fucking timeline on the bomberman series page they don't even mention it in the text so i don't think wikipedia is maybe the best source but still johnny there's no punch out wikipedia article because it's the same but, fucking game as mike tyson's but, punch out but mr dream Fuck you're mr. just dream. erasing mr dream hashtag <laughs> mr dream is real who has ever fought mr dream no one has ever beaten mr dream if you're if you're gonna get good enough at Punch Out to beat Punch Out, you're gonna be playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Who the fuck's beating Mr. Dream? Everybody Probably zero people on Earth have no, ever beaten Mr. No, Dream. No, 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 because everybody who plays it on the NES Classic is playing Mr. Oh, Dream. Oh, well, you probably can't beat it on the NES Classic because of the input lag. So, oh come on, I. So you know what? Let me get some people. I know there's some people out there who are listening who can beat uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Platform agnostic. I know you're a master. Let me know if you could beat that on an LCD TV on uh, an NES Classic compared to just the cartridge uh, on the CRT. I'll, I'll try. I, I can beat Mike Tyson. I haven't done it in a while, uh, probably a decade. But I, I think, or maybe it's even more recent than that. Maybe I'll go try. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can go beat it on the NES Classic. All right. But, or, or just like even on the Switch, if you've got the Switch service, um, which has like all the NES games on it, like it's got to be the regular Punch Out on there, not Mike Tyson. They don't have the license for that. I agree. I want you to do it on the NES Classic, not to bring up like what three years ago, how shitty this thing was. The NES Classic also has sound lag with the uh, sound effects, like really bad sound lag, in my opinion, that I think would make it even harder. So I want you to go beat it on the NES Classic. So I can't beat it on the Switch? No, that means Switch I doesn't like get plug- a count. Ah, fine, you can but- do it on the Switch if you want. Okay, Mike, yeah, because then I gotta go I find I know, it you don't want to hook up, who wants to hook up an, who wants to hook up an entire separate console with like the HDMI cable and the power cable? Johnny, it's a pain in the ass. I only have so many slots. Stop making new, co- why is there a Sega Genesis 2 coming out? We don't need it. I wish the Sega Genesis 2 just plugged into the Sega Genesis that, 1. Oh, dude, if they had thought ahead and they just made it like a 32X add-on, that would be fucking awesome. Right? 
Right. Because then I don't need another wire. Then they're both just hooked up. Oh my God. Or even, even better if it was just a cartridge that went into the little Genesis. Like, come on. No, I think it would be, no, it would be so good if they made like a little uh, Sega CD add-on for the mini Genesis and then they made oh, yeah. a 32X add-on and then they could have like different cartridge packs of like, you get into like the real obscure shit where people don't want to buy another $100 console, but you just do like a little $30 like pack of 10 games that no one gives a shit about. Make that a cartridge. Yep. Just make it a little SD card that Man, they slide in there. I don't even like these mini consoles, but they start like making it into a genuine console like that. I would start buying that garbage again. Oh, yeah, because then it would be a set like, oh, you got all this. Yeah, man, it came with its own SD card. So these are all games. Oh, man. Came yeah, with the, so I mean, that's SD a question. Card, that counts. I mean, like there are what yeah. what distributed games in SD cards? Did Gizmondo distribute games in SD cards? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Except the internet. I mean, there's that. Like uh, what's that console? That's like just collector bait, basically. It's is there a retro bit handheld? Is that what it is? I don't know. You'll have to tell me. You know, I, I don't look into I, that. I know people who collect this stuff. Um, I don't know if it's retro bit, but there's like a console, and all it has is licensed multi cartridges. So it'll be like, here's a pack of sixteen, like random, like stuff that we got from like Pico Interactive and Homebrew Games, oh, yeah. just like so random gross. bullshit games. But here's a whole shitload of them for 20 bucks, and you can just get a bunch of packs like that. It's so weird. Uh, okay, dragging us back to the episode, for the last thing I want to talk about for sets and does it count, um, we can have this conversation, or we can just save it for an episode. You tell me what you want to do here. Because I think within the life of the console is an important mm, distinction yes. for games. So how do we count games that, exist now outside the life of a console like I, let, let's be super generous like the castlevania on turbo graphic 16 by uh by cd by limited run games right like that is a release that you know was coming out and it was going to be on a turbo graphic cd disc never released in the u.s but we're way outside of the life of the console mm-hmm. you see i i if it is a console I really care about, I still would want to track all that. Like, I've got... Um, well, I think you should track it, but does it count for the set? I mean, it, it depends what you count as the set. I would say no, most people don't count as part of the set because people want, like, the set within the quote-unquote lifespan of the console. Um, the thing is, that, I, the I tried to define this. Like, years ago, I was like, all right, how do we determine what an aftermarket game is? Because there are so many weird, weird little situations where... You know, a game might come out really late, but then a few years later, something that is clearly considered a quote-unquote homebrew comes out, and you just intuitively know, like, okay, a muck for the Odyssey 2 came out in, like, the mid-90s, and it's like, that's not a release, that's that's a homebrew video game at this point. And I said, like, okay, if one year has passed, and there have been no physical software releases for a console, it is now aftermarket, so all that weird limited print stuff we can consider aftermarket... And then the fucking Wii U came along with games like Axiom Verge and uh, uh, Retro City Rampage. I think it was. Was that the last uh, one? Had out just dance. Like I don't. But there was like over a year in between physical releases for the Wii U, and then they just kept coming out. And all of a sudden, like, well, that definition doesn't work anymore because I would still consider these part of the Wii U set. So, I mean, I could expand the definition and say, I guess two years without a retail release is yeah. the cutoff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as a... See, this is the thing. Right? It's like, I believe you make a blanket statement and then you have to call out an exception or two once in a while. But 
for me, like we're so past the the statute of limitations on, on Castlevania, for example. We're not one year. We're not two years. We're over a decade, two decades. Like, come on, that no doesn't count. Or like the Mega Man re-releases, or you know, uh, what what was it, Holy Diver that they made the U.S. copy for on the NES. You're like, okay, cool, I can finally play Holy Diver over here in the U.S. on a NES card, but that that's not part of my NES set. Uh, not my North American nest set anyways, because uh, we put all these guardrails up. Uh, set collecting is bullshit, everybody, is what you need to know. That's what I want you to know about set collecting. Uh, I mean, set collecting is I just think... a bunch of guardrails that you put up and arbitrary definitions by stuff you decide. Maybe somebody else decided it for you and you took their list. But all these are is these columns I've been talking about the whole episode. It's just how they sorted their columns and then said, this is it. Or in Tyler's example, where they align their tags. But you why see, then- did they do it this way? Why? What was the underlying logic? And that's where it comes down to. How did they create their list? What do they count? What do they not count? And what are their exceptions? I mean, you can. This is where I really get into the weeds where we only brought up like a few criteria, but things like licensed versus unlicensed. uh, And you have to come with a criteria for licensed because like consoles with Atari 2600 doesn't have the concept of licensing. That's why it's not a database row for me or not a column. It's just a tag. But Holy Diver is it's just an unlicensed game. It's not sanctioned by Nintendo, but. It's part of the US NES library. Yes, it came out 30 years after anyone was buying new NES games. It's something. It is something new in the NES library. I don't I it's in my list, Johnny. I don't count it when I'm thinking of the NES set, I'm not counting these aftermarket It's games not 678? What? It's not number 678? It's not number 678. Because we removed, remember, we removed World Class Track Meet, we removed Super Mario Duck Hunt, we removed uh, Punch Out. You know, it's probably like 670. Holy Diver, everyone has that on their I, I can't list. wait. Let's, let's do that episode. Let's do the episode where I, I think it's like the a NES good... list? Yeah, like uh, in a... Not this episode, or not the next episode, because that'll be episode 200, but like episode 201 or 202, where we take what we've talked about on this list and then go apply our logic oh, and see what our count is, oh, that is for the be Nest so much list. Fun. I don't even know. Because I mean, our counts will be different. Oh, yes, they will be. But I'm going to have like so many different sub lists because I'm going to have like in my unlicensed set, I'll be like, yeah, Myriad 6 and 1 and <laughs> Holy Caltron. Diver by Retrobit. Yeah, they're basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Let's do that. That sounds fun. All right. Um, I, 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 I put this as a note. We don't have to talk about it. I think we've talked about it on the show, but when you are making your list, I think the best thing to do is, uh, go and literally combine every other list you can find on the internet and then do additional research on top of that. So go on, uh, take the old Nintendo age lists, go on rfgeneration.com. Like I think VG collect is another one. Uh, go into all these stupid apps, uh, whatever like free stupid retro gaming app you could find. Just take all their lists and just take everything Ugh. out of it, no matter how wrong the information is. When you do this, you will literally be picking up games that one don't exist or just like aren't clearly aren't games. Things like Game Genie, just put them all into a fucking list and sort it out later. Because so many of these lists, they're going to be just like they're going to be making their own dis- determinations on what counts as a game. So you have to take every list that has ever been created. And combine it into one so you could start cutting away and and filtering for yourself. 
Yeah, but yeah, that that requires a, like a. See, I think some people do that, and that's why we have a bunch of dangerously bad lists because they just like I'll just get everything, and they didn't understand the fact that you have to chop out all the dead stuff in there that doesn't actually count. Yeah, um, but so. so not only are you going to be taking the lists, but uh, in the mid two thousands, there's a lot of forum posts. So when I was doing the Xbox set, there was like three really good Xbox collectors threads where just people are yeah, talking. One about was weird in Xbox Sega Age. We were there. We were talking about it. <laughs> sure, Sega Age. Um, Sega Age had the best Xbox list at the time. But now, facts. Now we live in the world of social media, and there's just like there are guys for specific consoles, and so I'm going to have this this combination of every list that has ever been created. Even take my list off video game stage. I know it's not perfect, but that's another guy who's compiled a bunch of Xbox information. And then you take that and you go to you go on Instagram and you just look at the uh, the top posts for like original Xbox or something. And after you click a few, you'll figure out like, who is an Xbox guy? How do I get sucked into the Xbox circle? And you'll find guys like the pirate pimp and Japan Xbox and Gamebox UKV. All they post is weird, rare Xbox stuff. You just go through their entire Instagram uh, timeline, take all their shit, put it in your list and like this is how you have to start building your lists because no one has something like a perfect Xbox list. All right. So yeah, I, I agree. You can go do all that. I I don't know if I love throwing everybody's list on. Like I said, just because there's unless you are an expert or unless you plan on becoming an expert, you run the risk of making these very bad lists, and, and then you're just game eye, right? Which nope. just took everybody's everything and just dumped it in there, and then. You're like, okay, here's the best list. Like, so unless you to really be clear, know you have doing. to after you combine everything, you have to go I, through and physically confirm every single entry that it actually exists and that you would count it. Like, go find yeah. pictures that this is a thing that exists. Because when you do this, you will 100% pick up games that literally do not exist. Yeah. So what I like doing, and you mentioned a little bit, is finding the experts and getting their list. Yeah, so, yeah, unless you find an expert, like, I recommend finding an expert, getting their list, and then, if you've dumped all this stuff, kind of going off theirs, and then seeing, like, I just think an expert, knowing what their caveats are first, is going to help you eliminate a lot of the chaff, but it, it's hard, because the so many lists are bad and wrong, that's why you should, I think that's why we just made this episode, like, how to create a good list, Um but again, not everybody's going to agree, Tyler. I don't know. Like, uh, but the idea of like someone just going in here and how how could I trust anybody to just said, oh, I went out and I did this and I deleted everything that doesn't exist because sometimes things don't exist for reasons they don't understand. Again, like, oh, it, it's not actually a retail release. It's uh, it's like one of these pseudo retail releases almost made it to retail. So the game does exist, but they never found any instance of it on the internet, like let's say black box final fight gi or guy, right? That we know that that was found in a Canadian warehouse like one time. So does that game count as a, as a variant? But if you were just looking and making a list, that may not make your list because it's such a weird, obscure release. I mean, I don't, so I think when you're making a list, you should be going into it with the, uh, with the idea that I am going to be an expert on this because there's no such thing as a, a fucking video game expert. Everyone you think is an expert is literally, they've just done the same thing. They've just combined all these lists, verified what they think exists, combed through every single stupid thing that comes up on eBay. And if you do that yourself, guess what? You'll be the expert. So 
you don't don't trust anybody's list. Don't trust anybody's information. Go out and just confirm it for yourself every single game. I don't think you shouldn't even like take the 677 NES games for granted. Go well, yourself. Make sure that shit exists, even though everyone knows they all exist. Well, I mean, I, I think a good instance of what we're talking about, and like that episode I want to do, is like reevaluating the 677 because we don't even agree. Like, if we were making that list today, would the number that everyone holds as gospel 677 still exist? It probably would not. Like, and that really depends on what you count as a game on the list. Mario Duck Hunt. Is that a game or just Mario Duck Hunt already count? So do you need that for your set, Tyler? No, nope. You already have a Mario and a Duck Fuck Hunt. It. Separate lists. I don't care. There's only like two. See, like short order explode obviously counts because that's a unique thing. But yeah, Mario Duck Hunt and Mario Duck Hunt World Class Track Meet. And if there's any other that I'm forgetting, yeah, just put that all at the How bottom about- as like little asterisks. Like also there's this cartridge that definitely doesn't count. So screw it. Donkey Kong versus Donkey Kong Classic. Can I just... All right, you know, I I didn't get a chance. Uh, maybe I'll bring it up in the NES episode. But Johnny, people, there uh, are obviously a good deal of people who want to count world-class track meet, but don't count stadium events. Stadium events was fucking released. You could buy a box of stadium events. Yeah. World-class track meet's a packing exclusive. Fuck world-class track meet. Get it off your list. We'll talk about it in episode 201. This is now episode 201, Johnny. I'm, okay. I'm hyped. You're hyped for this? All right. Cool. Okay, cool. I like that. Okay. Um, I don't have more to say on this, really. I don't I, I either. Are we moving on? Do we have to? Do I have to go get a question from the the collector? Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, just yeah. You go do that, and I'll just throw my final thoughts on here. Okay. Um. You know, for me, like I said, make as many columns as you can. Be able to filter as much as you can. Tailor your list. Like for me, I'm a fan of getting everything we can, and then just filtering your list to the to your exact need. That way. When you eventually change your mind on what counts or what doesn't, or somebody changes your mind, you have the ability just to like unfilter a column and bring it in and have all the data instead of starting over from zero. And that's as somebody who has a lot of experience with merging multiple data sets and looking at data, lots and lots of data, and then thinking, oh God, I have to go add this in here now, or why did I remove that? It turns out I did need that like four years later. Uh, these are real things that have happened. So uh, I, I bring this up to you with my world experience here on uh, what's gone on. Like really just create everything and then create a way to filter it out of your views rather than never putting it in your view to begin with. All right, Johnny, I've got uh, some collector's questions here. All do, right, Do you want to hear it. about some collector's questions? I, I, you know, I would love to hear about some collector's questions. Reno, the collector asks, what's a game that never got a sequel that you think needs one? Mine would be Final Fantasy Tactics for the PS1 and the Tactics Advanced games don't count. Um, I don't know how to respond to that because I've only played Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and I think it was pretty great. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't great. I was like a teenager when I played that, but... Uh, I guess did it not live up to the PS1 game? I I don't know. I played only on the PS1 and I I didn't love it. Hmm. I'm like a weirdo. Who does, you know, I, I should revisit it because the minute they called it a Final Fantasy game, I had some different expectations and I know they were creating a separate type of game, but I was just like this isn't a Final Fantasy game that I want to be playing. So it's a little bit of victim of that for me. Um and nothing to do with the game itself. All right. Um, what, what do you got? What do you what? Never got a sequel that you want. 
I mean, the thing that comes to my, the first thing that comes to my mind is Phantom Dust, which I think it was going to get a sequel and they turned it into a remake, which is just the lamest thing ever. Uh, if you don't know what Phantom Dust is, it was it's basically Magic the Gathering if they turned it into a 3D action game. It's very weird and unique. And I guess there are more games that have like deck building uh, mechanics and card mechanics now that's become like more of a genre. Um, so maybe there already is another game like this now. But I just remember I loved Phantom Dust. I bought it because it was like the cheapest Xbox game you could buy new at GameStop. I just walked into GameStop and I didn't know what I was going to buy. I can't imagine ever doing that now. Um, But it was like, oh, brand new video game just came out and it's only $20. Hell yeah. And I thought it was awesome Um, because it's got strategy and it's got reflexes and timing and just super cool. Never got a sequel because it's still a little bit janky in the it probably came out in like 2005 cents. And I think if they did it now, it could be a lot more interesting. So, yeah, I think Phantom Dust and then. uh, I think you could consider these games to already have sequels of uh, of each other, but uh, like Space Giraffe, I think I could do with another Space Giraffe game. That's a, a Llama Soft Jeff Minter game. So it's in the line of uh tempest 3000 um grid runner those kind of games uh, it's just like a super trippy uh tunnel shooter uh, i think those games are freaking awesome so give me a new space giraffe if you haven't played space giraffe i bet it's on steam i played it on xbox but uh, go play space giraffe interesting okay yeah it's so, 10 bucks on steam go play it it's awesome my my answers are cop-out answers um so I'm. I wish there was a sequel to Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Uh, because we brought that up. Because there's a sequel oh, to oh, Punch there Out. Is, Johnny, you go play it. No, no, no. <laughs> there, there, there's Punch Out, and then there's Super Punch Out. But I want one that has Mike Tyson in it. And I unless you count that what is intergalactic. Uh, yeah, Power Punch. Go play Power like punch. the prototype. It might have Mike Tyson in it. Yeah. I mean, technically, it has just Mike Tyson, not named Mike Tyson, right? It yeah. Go play it. Uh, no, but I want a sequel to Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I want Mike Tyson's Punch Out too. It's a joke because because Mike Tyson was taken out and they obviously made Super Punch Out. It's a joke. It's a, it's not a great joke, but it, it's my joke. Okay. Um, no, I I think and this is like another weird one because it kind of has a sequel. I would like a a closer lineal sequel to Chrono Trigger because that's a game like Chrono Cross is great. I would also love like a lineal sequel to Chrono Cross because uh, I love that game. But yeah, like a uh, Chrono Trigger two that like continued on the same engine and like in the same vein. I, w- I would love to see more of that. I mean, like yeah, pick I, one I, of I those timelines. Like, like I could say I want a sequel to Burnout three because they ruined the franchise. They didn't ruin it, but they made it different. But I still feel like that doesn't count because they have sequels. You just weren't happy with how the sequel. No, came. no, because I love Chrono Cross, but I just don't feel like it. Like it was more more spiritual successor than real successor. I guess Radical Dreams is more like even more of a sequel, but uh, they just don't touch enough to me. Like I like I want a sequel with those same characters. You know, I want to see where they go down the road, not you know, not like some new generation. If that makes sense. All right. I feel like one. I mean, Grim Fandango 2. How about that? There you go. I'll just Grim Fandango 2. I didn't get a Grim Fandango 2. Sure. Grim Fandango 2. I would play it. Why not? Yeah. Hey, um, get them point and clicks in there. Johnny Strange. Sequ- a sequel asks, to Day, to, uh, Day of the Tentacle. I need another Maniac Mansion. These games have sequels. That is a sequel. Yeah, but Day of the Tentacle doesn't have a sequel. You're right. <laughs> sure. 
Um, technically, the last game of any franchise never got a sequel. Yep. Uh, Strange asks, when's part two of So You Want to Collect NES coming out? I bet we're going to get into a lot of that in our fixing the NES list uh, conversation. So probably. Uh, I don't know when that's coming out, if that's coming out, but well, uh, I uh, bet we talk yeah. about basically everything we were going to talk about. Getting you you know, it's games. it's weird because like the So You Want to Collect, like I like I love our format for that, but I've also decided like, oh, like I think we could do a better format and like. Um, add all this stuff. Like we, we did the episode where we rank the consoles. Like now I want to like bring in those rankings and stuff. So like, I don't know if it's a part two or basically like, so you want to collect Nintendo, the redux, and then there needs to be a part two to the redux. Yeah. I, I don't know. Let's keep making episodes about NES and be happy yeah. with it. No one even <laughs> loves, no, like, you know, no one even if loves there's NES. anything we talk about too much on this goddamn show, it's NES. So I think the NES people should be satisfied. Uh, it's the the I GameCube mean, is what the people want to hear more about, Johnny. People have asked me why we go back to Nintendo so much. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, uh, honestly, because Nintendo has like the biggest swath of in- information applied to it. So when you need examples well, and the NES is like the progenitor of so many games. Like it's just very easy to go back to that and state it. So uh, it's not it's not a uh, love. Like Nintendo isn't even my favorite console. Like as an original NES. So um, it's not it's not because we just love the NES so much. I just think most of the information and the original collecting of Nintendo games, which bore the larger. Well, yes, people were collecting Atari, but when we talk about what created really video game collecting as a thing, really it's been S and. NES and then even the investing segment really NES even though it branched off for that so it just it just created the thing so the most information exists about it so, it's sorry. the most information and almost every kind of nuance can be applied to NES because before NES like the concept of license versus unlicensed doesn't really exist after it the concept of unlicensed versus licensed mostly doesn't exist it's got homebrew it's got these weird new like retro bit I am 8 bit releases going on you know, we know all this screw variant stuff. We know all this stupid minor art variant stuff. There's just so much that's known about it in terms of collecting. So yeah, well, I mean, that's where the nuance the nuance was created there. The like nuance wasn't created on the Dreamcast and then applied down. It's like this is where we decided what we were doing. This is where this is where we made our decisions on how to treat other consoles came from. Johnny, uh, one more. Dork Overlord asks, what's your game collecting white whale and what's stopping you from getting it? Oh, man. Like, um, okay. My game collecting white whale right now, um, aside from like every GBA game, uh, which is just money and time, uh, is, and it's the same, money and time, is Halloween for the Atari which is a weird one, I know. But I really want Halloween for the Atari, like an original release, in its box. That's nice, which is, it's just, one, it's super hard to find. Two, they're so easily faked. It also costs, like, way too much money for me to just want to take a picture of a game for my stupid Halloween thing I do. So it's a combination of all those things. It's my white whale because I'll never find it at a price that is reasonable. And, you know, there's so many fakes of it. I've been burned before. Um, Yeah. There, there we go. That's why that one's my white whale currently. Hmm. I don't think, you know, I there are a lot of things that I want that I can't find or I can find and they're too expensive. Mystery house. 
But like mystery house, if I really wanted uh, just any mystery house, like I could go on eBay and spend two thousand dollars. Like they come up. It's just I don't want it that bad, and it's not like killing me that I don't have it. And there's a bunch of like like Ultima One is it doesn't come up a lot, and when it does come up, it's thousands of dollars. But there's one on eBay right now, and it's minimum bid five thousand dollars. Go buy it. But like. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for that. It's not killing me that I don't have that. I could go get like a re-release for cheaper. I'm scrolling through some of my, uh, my save searches right now. Like a lot of this stuff, like I've seen things like there's a, a promotional Nintendo color TV game six, which is the first Nintendo console came out. There's a promo version of that. And it's, there's even one for sale and it's just like, no, I'm not going to spend $1,500 on a, on a plug and play promo console in shitty condition. Uh, yeah, I mean that. I mean, it's a lot of it is just that, right? Like, oh, I could get it, but there, there's these other things that happen. Like, what what are the other things that limit you once you get that thing? Like, oh, am I not buying games for a year because I spent all of my money on this thing? I, I mean, it's usually money. Like, I, we're not searching after stuff that is like so rare that we can't get it. It, you know, and we are both of us fortunate enough financially that we can that usually. Not, not that money is no object, but we can... Video games aren't, at the level at which we collect, aren't so expensive normally that we couldn't get them. You know? I mean, I don't know. I, I could go get my Ultima right now for $5,000, Johnny, but I'm, I'm not going to go and I said usually, spend a- But you could. You've spent $5,000 <laughs> on a game before. I have not spent $5,000 on Haven't a game you? before. Didn't you? I thought you spent that much on your Zelda, your Ocarina. No, that was like fifteen hundred bucks or something. Oh, okay, what's the um, most you've ever spent on a game? Because the most I've ever spent on a game is twenty five hundred. I think yeah, that's the most I've ever spent on a game, and it was on Yoshi No Cookie Kirpon to Cookie Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> that's my most expensive game I've ever bought. A game no one cares about, but I uh, think it's fucking awesome. For me, it was Magical Chase. That that uh, like the much much more sensible purchase there. Uh, I don't know, um, but yeah, maybe, but. There's not many games I've ever spent that much money on. There's only like three games I've ever spent more than $2,000 on. Um, and that just happens to be one of them. But like, theoretically, I could go spend $5,000 on a game. I could. I don't want to because it it impacts me enough financially in other ways that I wouldn't be comfortable. Like, it wouldn't bankrupt me. I wouldn't miss my mortgage payment or anything like that. And I think you're in the same boat there. Like, you, it would just, like, it would crush other things. And it just feels, it also feels like an unreasonable sum of money to pay. It's not that I couldn't, but it doesn't feel like I ever should. Sure. Yeah, and if right. I if I look at, like, what are the most important games to me? And it's games like Ocarina of Time, Mario 64, Doom, Metroid Prime, Ninja Gaiden 3. I have either, like, really nice copies of all those games. I've got, like, promotional materials related to those games. Like, uh, Doom. I don't have the five-and-a-quarter floppy version of Doom, which is rare and expensive doesn't come up a lot but i do have just a regular mail order 1.1 doom so yes i would like a five and a quarter floppy version of doom i would pay a lot of money for it but because i already have like a mail order first release it's not killing me so i wouldn't call it my white whale yeah that's hard for me too because there's like i said halloween is probably my best example and because all this other extraneous stuff kind of but also i don't want to pay like $800 $800 to $1,000 for an Atari game. And it's not that I've never paid that much money for a game. I just don't, like, I wouldn't feel good about paying that much money for an Atari game. 
Um, you shouldn't feel good about paying that much money for an Atari game. Like, I don't want to spend that much money on a Super Nintendo game, my favorite system, either. Uh, I did because I had to complete a set uh, because uh, I'm stupid is the only good reason there. And, and that didn't feel good, like paying that much for Speed Racer Mountain Bike uh, Rally. Like, does that one count? How's that one count on your list, Tyler? Is that, does that, is that needed for a set? No, nah, take it out. Multicarts are stupid. All right. <laughs> I, and I like, wasted that money. To be clear, I think you should collect that. If you are a Super Nintendo collector, if you're an NES collector, get Mario Duck Hunt. Get the world-class track, meet Mario Duck Hunt. But it's not in the set of game. I don't know. I, everyone, there's going to be some people who disagree with me on that. But uh, Yeah, I'm not sure I, I fully agree with you because, I like I said, normally I look at title first. All right. But even then, I'm not sure, like, when it comes to the pack-ins on, like, the GameCube, where it's three discs, like, in separate cases in a box, am I counting the the titles on the spines of each DVD case, or I should say GameCube disc case, versus the name on the on the outer box? Is that the thing I should really be counting? I'm not, not counting three games. It's not a pack-in with three games. It's one piece of software that is this, you know? This is the Resident Evil uh, Anniversary Pack or, or whatever. That, that's the name of this software. So that's the thing I, I needed to collect it because it's an individual title. Like I said, people try to be as consistent as you can, but it, it's hard. You, you have to answer some hard questions. All right. Johnny, what are you buying? What are you playing? Oh, uh, you want to know what I'm buying? Do you really want to know? Or yeah, so so speaking of you're not spending hundreds of dollars on stupid Atari games, uh, how about what you're actually buying? Okay. Uh, Tyler, well, stop me if you've heard of this game. Just Dance Kids Disney Party. Is this on Wii or Wii U? Wii. All right, I, I'm not going to stop you because I Yoga. <laughs> Yeah, what? there's a game called Yo Dream Salon. Mm? Rock still not Blast. stopping you. Phineas and Ferb Quest for the Cool Stuff. <laughs> How about Titanic Mystery? Uh huh. Zumba Fitness World Party Big Bucks. Yeah. Wow. Zumba Fitness World Party. They're different games. One's World Party, and the other one's just Zumba Fitness. Wow, you're really uh, uh, you're getting some cool games here, Johnny. Wow. Oh, oh, you wanna <laughs> hold on, hold on. Well, I, I got another one. Kawasaki quad bikes. Uh huh. Jenga, <laughs> Jenga World Tour. You want some more? Wow, you, you really to... got a. Well, okay, yeah. Do you want me to to dazzle you? Well, I do. With, with some more of my titles. Okay, hold on. Uh, cause I, I bought a lot of, I bought a lot of Wii games is what you're noticing. Cause I'm like trying to finish the Wii set. I said, I'm going to buy 10 Wii games a month until I'm done with this stupid thing. Cause I need a hundred of them. Um, just dance kids, 2014 monopoly two in one collection Cabela's hunting expeditions, grand slam tennis. Anyone listening to this? Do you think this is the right way to collect video games? <laughs> no, it's not. Don't do this. Do not do this. The Voice Big Box. And it's actually mm. The Voice colon I Want You with the big box and microphone. Yeah, that's right. I spent $16 on that. That was that was my expensive one. 
to be clear, most of these games were under ten dollars, um, and I, I I'm just doing it to complete my my Wii set. I decided I, I went hard because I, I was at like ninety five to hundred that I still needed, and I just said, you know what, I gotta I gotta get this off my slate. They're still cheap. There's still a bunch like between five and eight dollars. I can go get them. I'm just like, let me knock some out. Let me go buy. I said I was gonna buy ten. I wound up buying like thirty, and like probably next month I'll buy like another thirty more. I just want to be done with it. I'm tired of like saying, oh, I should go do it. I should go do it. I just want it done. I'm, so I'm in that mode of like, let's kill this set. Let's do it. Um, the other thing I bought was like Halloween stuff, which, I, which I'll show you guys later. Which no, I, I say I'll show you later, but no one looks at those pictures. So you may never see it. Um, but yeah, if you don't know, in October, I usually show like 31 Halloween games. So I look forward to that. Now, most of them are modern this time around. Woo, modern games. No one gives a shit. I sure don't. That's that's what. And uh, what did I play? Um, so I was playing my PS5, and I was like, oh, you know, I got a couple of these Halloween games. I want to play one to test them out. You know, just like I want to like complete one. I was playing uh, Made of Skur, Maiden of Skur. So I'm like, all right, I'm playing that. And then I was like, oh, this kind of the controls are a little weird. I'm like, um, and I was testing out the controller, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I haven't seen The Last of Us two on a ps5 i only ever played it on the ps4 not the ps4 pro i'm like i should probably like see how that looks uh, i'm like it's downloaded into the console i don't need to do anything i can just play it right now it's you know i don't even need to change the disc i'm like let me see how much it looks then like three hours later i'm like oh i'm just playing the last of us 2 now what, what happened so that's what i wound up doing i played made of skur made of skur for like 45 minutes it's not great it's fine and then i played last of us for like three hours because I felt I was just like, oh yeah, I really like The Last of Us. I forgot. I mean, I didn't forget, but the, just just how games suck me in. I'm just like, I love The Last of Us so much that I'm just gonna keep playing. Everyone's like so mad about the the remaster coming for PS5 for uh, Last of Us One, and I'm just like, here's my seventy dollars. How can I hand it to you faster? I mean, I bet they have a way you can hand them two hundred fifty dollars or something if you really want, like a big box with a statue. And they had a hundred dollar one which sold out instantly. We talked about this. Oh my god. And I missed it. And uh, yeah, eventually I'll buy that version too. Uh, yeah. Like, Tyler, I'm so sick that, and I love it so much. I'm just like, should I give them $70 early, like uh, as a pre order for digital, so that I can download it at midnight, which is usually the time, like, about midnight is when I can play games uh, from like midnight to two if I'm like killing myself and like only getting four hours of sleep before I go to work. Um, I'm like, if I do that, then I can at least play two hours the day it comes out. Is that something I want to do? And then just go buy a physical one later? That That's the debate I'm having right now. I I don't... This you've, You already own this game. You could just go play The Last of Us. What are you I talking about? I own it so many times. I own it... I own The Last of Us. I own the PS4 remaster. I own The Greatest Hits. I own the Survival Edition. I don't have the Super Big Edition. Yeah, I own this game multiple ways. Uh, and I'm never sad about it. It's the best. I it just... I, I'm not like one of the insane people that like you see they're like mapping every inch of The Last of Us and they've like I found this new poster that's never been seen before. And, you know, they've played Last of Us for like 300 hours and they play it on super hard. But I, I've played it a lot. I've probably played it enough to beat it on the hardest mode. I think I'm... I think I'm that equivalent. I think I could do that. I like The Last of Us, Tyler. I understand. I want you to beat it on the hardest difficulty, Johnny. I'm rooting for you. 
Okay. I think I beat it on the second hard, second hardest difficulty mm. on my last playthrough. I think maybe with the play PS5 one, maybe I'll go right to the hardest mode and just see if I can do it. Do it. Unless they change the difficulty. What if it's easier than the hardest mode on the PS3? What if it's harder? That'd be neat. That'd be a, a extra challenge for people who are buying the game again. I'd be in. Also, uh, wait, this I, game I mean, is full price. You said seventy dollars. Yeah, it's a game that it's already exists. They designed it. What? It, it's, it's a remaster from to the just ground make up. This game, the design documents are all there. They're just making new graphics and stuff. What are you talking about, I guys? Tyler, I don't know, and I, that's that's why people are upset. But I don't care. I cannot give them seventy dollars fast enough. I know they they know you'll pay it. Um, Look, I also trust Naughty Dog because Naughty Dog is pretty great. Um, so. Uh, like what am I? What do I suddenly lose all my trust in Naughty Dog? No, yeah. that did not happen. Like, come on. So if anyone gets my goodwill purchase, it's Naughty Dog. At least now, like that, that may not continue. But sure, absolutely. If Naughty Dog says it's different enough, <laughs> they've done enough good stuff that I'm not going to be like, "Fuck you, Naughty Dog." I don't believe you. Like they've just turned out just hot hits for a long time. So I'm going to be like, "All right, well, let's see what you did." Hot hits or uh, what's the other one, Johnny? Uh, colors of modern rock yeah colors of modern <laughs> rock yes i did that on purpose okay um you know uh uh bayonetta is getting a physical release on the switch and it's quote unquote only 30 dollars. but last generation bayonetta literally a port to the wii u was a free bonus game <laughs> that is only how the first far edition. we come in terms of monetizing re-releases yeah only on the first edition though but, I mean, it was still free if you bought Bayonetta uh, yes. 2 for full price. You just get a whole remaster of the yeah. first game for free. Maybe it was $30 there, too, and Bayonetta 2 was only $30. Johnny, shut up. Um, <laughs> the value of games should go down with time. I miss when that was the case. Yeah, me too. Um, but what are you buying and what are you playing? Because I know you're buying that Bayonetta. Shut up. Don't uh, like no, I don't buy Switch games in general. I'm, I'm buying it for you for Christmas. Please don't. Um... Yep, last Switch, Switch game I bought was up. Baba Is You, and I don't buy Switch games, but Baba Is You is just one of the best puzzle games ever made, so I had to buy it. Um, I don't buy Switch games, except for when I do, said yeah. Tyler. Well, I would, okay, I buy one or two a year. I'm sorry for my uh, oh, yeah, blanket yeah, statement. You, but yeah, but you're like, I would never buy a Switch game like Bayonetta. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I, I mean, I did buy this one. And well, you know really what? Like it's not Bayonetta. a port or re-release like every other Switch game. <laughs> I'm just saying, you buy Switch games, they get bought for you. Put it on your Christmas list. Let somebody oh buy God. you something. Johnny, I uh, here. I, let me tell you what I've been playing. Computer Bismarck. Please. And by playing, I mean trying to play a single game of Computer Bismarck. A game you've probably never heard of. Uh, no, the only Bismarck I know is North Dakota. It's the first computer war game that uh, ever was released, I think, based on the 1962 uh, Avalon Hill board game, Bismarck. Uh, one of those games, giant grid with like different letters and coordinates, and you have a bunch of uh, different square tiles, like 50 different square tiles, and it'll just say on it, like uh, the name of a ship and then a letter and a number that means something. Uh, playing the board game, probably already difficult enough. Playing it on the interface of an Apple II where you're just entering a bunch of coordinates and then you pick a ship and it's like, you can make up to six moves with this ship. And it's like, 
there's no mouse interface. So you're just saying like, I want to go northeast, north, northwest or something. And you do that for each individual shape on each individual turn. And it takes forever. It, I'm going to say, Johnny, it was a bad experience as someone who doesn't like war games. I was curious as to what this game was. And the answer was a game I am not interested in playing. Uh, wow. I, I mean, it sounds like it has everything you really love, like large amounts of tedium. Oh, my difficulty. goodness. You know, maybe like Tiger Wolf would be interested in this because he likes those old Koei strategy games. This one was uh, still too boring for me. Um, Johnny, you know what I'm buying? I bought Computer Bismarck uh, for the <laughs> Apple II. Uh, this is a game I've, I've wanted for a while. It's a placeholder, though. I got the version 1.1 Apple II release. Um, Wait, you didn't get the original? I've been uh, looking gross. for it, Johnny. It, it's really hard to find. Even this version I found is hard to find and expensive. But Here, I just me, needed a me, version of this game. Let me translate for you. I settled. Yes, I'm doing that more. I have bids right now on eBay of games that I'm thinking about just settling on. And, and like maybe I'll upgrade sometime in the future. Maybe I won't. Like I've been, I've been pretty good about not wasting money on like placeholders, but there are some of these games like fucking computer Bismarck where I'm just like, you know what? Let me just get something because the game I want isn't coming up. And I know that's like against how I think you should be budgeting money, but uh, I bet I could sell it in the future if I ever get the one I actually want. Yeah. Well, let's see how many people are super interested. Yeah. No, you're not selling things. Um, Okay, well, those are really boring and <laughs> just as boring as my purchases, so I'm glad. Uh, well, I got my Poltergeist oh, for got the TRS-80. Oh, oh, holy shit. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> See? That's an awesome one. See? That's so good. That's such a good buy. I, uh, I, what, that wasn't like something I was looking for. It just came up in my save search. I have a generic save search that I go through a ton of computer games. And I was looking at it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This game's fucking cool. Uh, so, so cool one because so cool. it's a game pick. based on poltergeist which just does not make any sense why does this game exist Ew. but two go look at a list of trs 80 games like these are games from 1979 to like 1982 like the trs 80 doesn't have licensed movie games it's just like that's not a thing that was on this computer it's Almost the only licensed game, and it's fucking Poltergeist. It's really weird. So I weird. Think it's cool. So weird. That's our spec pick. Go find your TRS-80 Tandy Poltergeist games. Uh, yeah. yeah, and while you're at it, but make sure you buy a sealed VHS of Poltergeist, too. Uh, definitely worth $50,000 in the future. Yeah. It's our CQP. That's, that's, our that's a CQ. Pick. <laughs> sure. It's a CQ. You down with CQP? Uh, yeah, you know yeah, me. Yeah, you know me. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Johnny, I got... Half-Life Further Data version 2. It's a a jewel case of like Half-Life mods and maps and models for multiplayer play. Uh, Just it's a stupid Half-Life disc. I just like Half-Life stuff. Um, I understand that. And Johnny, I got two versions of Apple Panic. Now, here we are getting into my being okay with placeholders life. Uh, Space Panic is probably what you could consider the first platformer if not like a proto platformer because you can't jump so space panic uh you run around and uh go on ladders and you can trap things in a manner similar to load runner so it's not quite donkey kong but it's definitely a really important platform video game 
Um, I'm not going to go buy a Space Panic arcade cabinet. So the next best thing I can get is the first home port of the game, which is Apple Panic for the Apple II. Um, so I got two different versions of that because that's my placeholder, Johnny. I like it for the Commodore myself. Why would you get a game called Apple Panic for the Commodore? Because it's not about the... I mean, it's got a giant apple on it. And it's like, uh, there's a guy mining for some reason. I don't know. It's I don't even know if he's mining so much as it looks like he's just smashing up the street. Yeah, he's he's load running, Johnny, is what he's doing. Get it? Get it? Uh, oh, yeah, this I is... Uh, also, the, F you... What? Go ahead. I was go just going to tell you, this is the game I bought. I, there was like a, there's like a $100 copy of Apple Panic on eBay right now. And there was a $35 copy of Apple Panic. And the $100 copy is the same variant, but it included a registration card. And like $65 for a registration card is pretty fucking ridiculous. But I was considering it because I know when I don't have a complete game, I'm like, you know, I probably should have just spent the extra money and got the fully complete version. But $65 for a registration card of a game that no one cares about, even I was like, you know what? I'm not paying $65 for an Apple I'm, Panic registration. I'm amazing card. you had that restraint. Yes, and I bought the $35 version and the registration card was hidden inside the manual. It was oh, it was excellent. a good day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you had the restraint. That's amazing, Tyler. Uh, so the I think I'm still trying to figure out variants of Apple Panic. Uh I think there's at least 3 on the Apple alone with literally different uh addresses for Broderbund. Like I don't know how long this game was in freaking print. I know it was a popular game, but um the uh, the registration card, I think, only came in the later variants. So it wasn't killing me not to have the registration card. But I still got it, because I'm the best. Um, also, uh, Johnny, I'm a sealed game wizard. I got a sealed copy of Oregon Trail 2. Oh, my God. You, you know what? It's one, of my it's one of those childhood games that I've just never uh, gotten. I, I have the collector's edition, but it's, like, really weird. It comes in a wooden box. It's, like, not the... I don't look at it and get the emotional reaction of, like, oh, yeah, that's the game I played as a kid, because it is such a a different kind of special edition. So I finally have the version that I played as a kid in the big box with the art that I remember. Uh, and it was like, it was like $37 fucking sealed. So perfect. Still don't have flight simulator 98, but this was a big part of my childhood. I'm glad you make, uh, we have talked about like getting those childhood games. Uh, I need to go back to Apple panic real quick. And I, I, oh, I apologize. I'm in. Let's for this. go. <laughs> okay. So there's the Atari cassette version. I am not understanding the box art, though there is some consistency in the box art uh, across Apple Panics. Um, oh my God, this is my son coming back in. What is happening? Hold on. Oh yeah, so it's this is the box art you got then. So the box art you have has the Apple. Hold on. Hey, buddy, you need to... I know you're in Dominus Rex, buddy, but Dad's got to finish recording, so you got to... Shut my door, please. Okay. Now my dog is in the background. Anyways, um, Apple Panic, the box art, you have the one where the apple's coming up a ladder, and it's a very angry giant apple. Okay, so... 
You're describing probably any version of Apple Panic's box art. I have the baggy version on Apple too, so there's no box. It comes with like oh, that's a, the a manual. Sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, I'm looking at the Apple 2C version, but that's also the. Oh Atari yeah. Okay, one. so he is coming up a ladder. I didn't realize that. Yes. Okay, and it, that's different than the Commodore one. The Commodore one just has this giant apple with a frowny face, and then it's this guy like mining into the street for some reason and a ladder. Yes. The Apple 2C one and the Atari one has an angry apple that's probably. I don't know, I want to say it's about a three foot tall apple, maybe four foot with like legs and arms and, you know, hands and feet. And he's coming after this guy and it's this dude. And for some reason, he's again beating into uh, the street or something. But he's like, he looks like he's maybe killed an apple and he's burying it. Yeah, that's then, exactly I, what, what he's doing. Yes. Yeah, but I don't like no one uses a shovel. This guy's got the shovel above his head. But then the apple and the Apple Panic logo, which also looks like it's part of the art, is just an apple with a giant mouth and no eyes. But this other, it is very confusing. It's uh, it's also very grim. This is some grim box. I mean, it is like I'm looking at this is going on my Halloween game list. Like, there's murder afoot. They're I like that they're establishing that the apple is a living creature because you have the apple that's coming up the ladder, and then on the other half of the box art, there's a guy who has clearly buried an apple in brick, and like he's definitely suffocating to death. Yeah, he's buried it in brick though. How do you shovel a brick? This like it's a very confusing so, box art. You know, video games used to be cooler. Anything used to be possible. It didn't have to be real life, Johnny. You could just yeah. be digging into bricks and having uh, anthropomorphic apples chasing you. But now it's like, oh, it's The Last of Us. We made it look like real life even more now. So, <laughs> have you seen the art for Hangman? Or I'm sorry, Hangman Hangmath? Have you seen the box art hang for that? Hang math. I know there are um there are like old computer game boxes with fucking nooses for like those children's yeah. spelling games. I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah, this <laughs> I'm like considering buying this. Oh it's my got some god! Yes, look at <laughs> yeah, this! Holy like, shit! <laughs> so an executioner good. on this box. There's an executioner pushing an unwilling victim towards the noose, and he's staring down. He's staring down the noose with the grim face of death on him, just knowing that it's over because he couldn't spell school right. And it like Holy the word shit. is school, which doesn't even yeah. make sense because they got the only the letter missing O's. is an O. So you would have got the other O in a game of hangman. Yes. <laughs> and also like this is math and they're showing not math down below. They're showing letters. It's crazy. John, you it's should crazy. Be- I love. This oh, does it not have a manual? It might be missing the manual. Are you saying the one for $23? Yeah. Looking at. But I mean, yeah, it, it looks like the there's the only one on the eBay I and there's know, none in solds. I'm considering buying it because Free that's shipping. an awesome cover. I mean, this this box art is fucking awesome. <laughs> like, come it's just on, like, right? yeah, it's the 80s. We don't give a shit. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, this it, it it's pretty insane, right? So uh, Trash Man has like a, a trash truck that's empty, somehow picking up a trash truck uh trash can but also a giant fly on it that is roughly a third of the size of the garbage truck just games were wild is it the same uh same publisher but yeah that's uh that's pretty yeah. weird yeah but so that's it's, it's, it, this isn't the the new scheme i was even thinking of because like i've seen games where it's like hangman and it'll just show like the icon of a noose in on the on the box this is literally an executioner pushing a guy into the gallows on a game that is self-touted as educational it's fucking crazy. yeah it, it's so good man th- 
I'm going to have to look into creative software and more of their box art because this is insane. <laughs> then, then you have like, uh, you know, you could just buy Beyond Castle Wolfenstein and get a picture of Hitler for some reason. Like video game box art was very much different, you know, in the 80s. Yeah. Get the uh, the Japanese Bionic Commando. Um, does oh, that yeah. have Hitler on it? But yeah, yeah, it does. It's called like Hitler's Return or something. Um, you know what? That's such a big thing in comic collecting. I'm surprised that hasn't come to video game collecting. Like, there isn't a guy out there that's buying uh, up because there's more racist in comic collecting. They just haven't got here yet. Yeah, we just we just need more racists to come in. Like there is there yeah. is some set of games that are like Confederate flag video games, like Battle of Shiloh on PC. The box is it's just the Confederate flag, and I'm surprised there isn't someone like co- collecting like Nazi flags and Confederate flags and being like, "This is my set of controversial video games." Because they definitely are more than you oh, would yeah. think, especially uh, in Japan, I think. Yeah, the Bionic Commando Japanese art, it literally has Hitler in the clouds, like, lording over the video game, like, you know, like the bad guy in the clouds does. Yeah, and, like, I, I think that, like, I'm like, wow, that shit, that's Hitler. But also, I'm like, mm, maybe I don't want to own a game that, like, has Hitler prominent on it. Like, maybe I just don't want that. Yeah, his head explodes. He's he's definitely the bad guy. He's oh not, yeah, he's I know not he's like the, ba- the good guy. Oh I, yeah, I know he's. But like, would you want anyone to ever be confused? I, I just like it's like. Eh. I mean, like, come you could, on, you're you gonna could, go through my whole collection, pick one out, and be like, this one has Hitler on it. Like, I mean, in today's day and age, people always pick the one instance or one exception in which to to I crucify know. you with. Like, you're not gonna um, go through my bookshelf and find Mein Kampf. That might be a little weird. Like, hey, why is Mein Kampf here among all these like video game and astronomy weird. books? Yeah. Like, yeah. For the history. Uh, I, I just like it's a history <laughs> book, you know. Yeah. No. Um, also, like, it's just, man, video games were weird. Um, video games are so weird. Yeah. You know what? Don't be that collector. Don't be the weird guy who just wants to collect swastika video games. Maybe just, like, let racism die. Let racism die. I, I wish that could yeah. be a thing that could happen, Johnny. But, you know what you could get? Like, like let's get political. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, stuff that, like, could be controversial, and then this is my spec pick. If you want, maybe something that could be uh, controversial: Trump Castle Two, Casino and Resort. What are you talking about? Uh, well, there's a game called Trump Castle, and uh, and Trump Castle Three. I, I'm assuming these are features of are things that were owned by Donald Trump, right? I mean, there are Trump video games. Trump yeah, that's Castle what I'm saying. Like, oh, shit. There's even more. Yeah. There's what like are these? Two and three. Wait, gambling. Yeah, they're gambling. So. Oh, Maybe dude. These are, I love gambling. I, I don't know if I want Donald yeah. Trump video games in particular. Yeah, Damn, there are like, three I, of these games? I've never yeah, heard of these. I, and I, I'm not saying that they're super controversial because like oh, yeah. wherever wherever you find, fall on it. But, you know, you would definitely rile some people up if you like showed them Trump stuff. Sure. I mean, there's a, there's also Donald Trump's real estate tycoon, and I feel like there's yeah. another one, but maybe I'm thinking of the his board game. I remember uh, Magfest had the Donald Trump board game from the '90s. Um, well, we'll we'll do an episode five collect five collectible <laughs> controversies you you can collect. Oh yeah, Here's- the Trump Castle series. People are always talking about how controversial that is. Yeah. No, look, everybody, like, because every time they do a controversial video game, they're always like, oh, it's Custer's Revenge and all the porn games. We can throw Custer's Revenge on there, but look, let's expand that list. Let's get crazy stuff that people aren't talking about. Yeah, Trump, 
I mean, everyone wants to bring up Castle Wolfenstein, but we 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 can we can go deeper. We can get weirder. Complete in box Trump Castle Three looks like it's about twenty bucks. Oh wow, fifteen bucks shipped for. I mean, this like might even be worth buying. Fifteen dollars shipped for a big box PC game. That's not bad, Johnny. It's complete. It's got all the inserts and everything. Holy shit. I mean, holy holy crap. You could you could do it, buddy. All right. How much is like how much is Trump Castle One and Two? Okay, sealed Trump Castle One, hundred fifty dollars. That makes a little bit unreasonable. <laughs> okay. I don't have any more to say about this. We've gone long on stuff that I, I has know, nothing I to know. do with the, the other Trump Castle games. Seem a lot more expensive, unfortunately. Yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna put this uh, in the yeah, good deals on Discord. <laughs> go, yeah, go look for games that feature a noose. Uh, anyways, that hang math, hang math. Go look at the cover of it. It's awesome. It's so grim and weird. Um, anyways, uh, Tyler, where can we find you? I'm on the Instagram and video game stage and the Discord. I, so I've got like people now who don't want to message me on Instagram just because they're like cutting out social media. So you could send me a message on Discord. I don't know how you find me. I'm default gen eight six nine seven. Can you just like message random people on Discord? Like I think that? you so can. Well, I think you can put your name in there too if it's attached. Or I don't know if it is. It just looks like I'm Tyler. So default gen eight six nine seven. That's default <laughs> gen. Default gen. Default. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm Johnny underscore Ayuchi on Instagram and Johnny just on our Discord and on the video game stage. So you can find me in those places. But if you really want to get a hold of me, uh, Instagram or, or Discord are the easiest. And um, yeah, I think that's it. You can also find our other host, uh, The Art of NP on Twitter. Mainly that's where he lives. And uh, also on Instagram, Art of Nintendo Power, Art of NP, Google that and you will find him. Tyler, I want to just, I'll throw out our Patreon thing right here at the very end. Hey, if you if you like us and you want to support us, you can become a member of our Patreon for as little as two or as much as six. But really, $4 is the sweet spot because that's where you get the bonus content. $6 tier now comes with a, a bonus that that's being added in for everyone where uh, you can have one free invite basically that will come to the discord they'll be put in at a, a different level but get access to uh most of the discord there will be some caveats on that but yeah that's one of the bonuses i'm adding because i didn't feel like people were getting enough for six dollars i still don't recommend it but if you want that it's going to be available to all current six dollar members you can hit me up and i'll explain how we get that done also one of the the benefits we're adding and because we we're talking about list is we do have a resource page where i go and i put my list in there and these aren't great lists these are more like my title checklist ones for what i consider sets um but i have started putting them on there ones that have been shared with me ones that i've worked on with other people and i am just adding them slowly in as i kind of revise them and make some standard stuff in there so part of that is you will get access to these lists i put in if you care about that so uh that's it and that's a uh, collector's quest uh sorry it's patreon.com slash collector's quest there we go cool that's it that's Bye. the whole episode all right <laughs> tyler i know you always like bored with the patreon stuff you're like oh god we're shilling but yeah. like, we should do it a little we're bit shilling. we're e-beggars uh, johnny yeah e-beggars don't uh, wait yeah, I mean, are newscasters e-beggars? Shut, just, you no, don't I'm drag just, the topic out. <laughs> I uh, Don't call us that. But please, give us money, please. please. No, I'm just kidding. Please.
please don't. And if you don't want to give us money, please don't ever. All right, that's it for the show. Thank you so much. And Tyler, cut all that nonsense. Bye. That is our show. Uh, you know, two other uh, free database pieces of software that I looked at recently were NoCodeDB, as in No Code Database, and BaseRow. You have to host both of them on a server, so it takes a lot more work than something that's just hosted on a website for you. Uh, but they're both free, and they both seem really fancy and powerful. Or if you're rich, just get an Airtable subscription. Thank you to 8-Bit, apebit.bandcamp.com. He does our intro music, Ape, like the monkey. Uh, and thank you to our patrons. You know, I I don't... Uh, oh, man. I tried updating my, my Patreon nickname list here. And I tried to, like, one-to-one match up, like, my list of nicknames with who is actually still a patron. Make sure, like, uh, everything is still in sync. Make sure I'm not missing anyone. And, like, people have changed their names and stuff. And I, I got, like, a quarter of the way through it. I'm like, it's impossible. So, if you're on the list and you're no longer a patron, congratulations, you're probably on the list forever. If you're not on the list, let me know. I could add you to the list. Also, once we hit 100, I'm probably cutting this this list down because it's big and it's hard to manage and it takes a long time. Richard Patron number one, Bowden, Canadian Variant Alert, Chris Glidden, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jaxvik, High End Collector, Andrew Brim, Greeting Stranger, I'm not surprised to see Andrew Shelton around here. 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre. Video games were meant to be slabbed. Brandon Ackley, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, the strictly limited super rare Bruno. Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, too many NES accessories, Morozek, Johnny GBA hookup, coffee with Mr. Saturn, playing with power, Connor Strange, the last game you need for the set, Corey O'Brien, unpunched hang tab, Dustin Beagle, he has returned to judge this city, Eric Addison, man of Nintendo in the world of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, what are you buying, GBO Metric, I think we have two nicknames based on that same Resident Evil 4 guy, uh, GBO Metric, uh, one of the guys who owns trading games, so, uh, Get it? What are you buying? It it fits. It's fitting. Guys, it works. Another vinyl collector, really? Grizzly X Bear also like just I'm just like a couple people just joined uh joined the uh the Discord. Everyone who joins the Discord is like super into GBA. Am I missing like is GBA the most collectible console among people who listen to Collector's Quest? I don't collect GBA at all. I just think it's really interesting. Uh man, a lot of you guys collect GBA, like a lot of GBA. The actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, Joseph Garris, he's just having, he, what is he? He's just having a good time, achieving his goals, proud of you. The Nintendo Tape Archivist, Joseph Leo, Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, The Degenerate, Matt Fall, Mint Condition, Mora Bros. Uh, this is uh, someone who changed their name, and I caught it. Uh, this is before I gave up on, on trying to track who's still a Patreon and all that. Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here! Nicholas Mad Dog McCree DiMaggio, Funkoland employee, platform agnostic, read the game shark, the Famicom Box, retro game enthusiast, they can beat ghosts and goblins twice, Sheffish, Sean, the Gamer Collective, the New Craft, who could beat Mega Man without the pause trick, previously unknown variant, Tim Walker, from the internet, Todd Fisher, can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic, The Willennium, Will Joe, 
keeper of the Zelda variant, Zero X Def Code, previous, previous game collector, Adam Cavanaugh, getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't, all caps, no gods or kings, only Andy Lancaster, what a 9.8, A++ Benji, the actually rare, Bird Dog Gaming, dropping the Mario 64 penguin off the map, Brandon Chalker, Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode, Christopher Piper, still shaking from what he found at Goodwill, still finding deals in 2022, Colton Murphy, a winner is him, David Green, Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show, Don Libby, the hero of time, Double Ugly presents Double Ugly, the official game of the movie, actually understands the Zelda timeline, Jeff Pierce, Jeff Bro We don't have two Zelda timeline things, right? No, one's a Zelda variant thing. Alright. Jeff the Game Boy Ferris! He is error! Jeff Russell! I bet Jeff, by the way, uh, collects GBA too. Everyone collects GBA. He is error! Jeff Russell! Jeremy Jarvis here for the Pog Talk! Joe actually plays his games champ pity! Video game art collector because video games are art! Justin Chichio! Strands type game, Chris Shipley, lateral movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. What a horrible night to have living in bits. My, I stole that straight from your Instagram. I know, I, it's hard to come up with nicknames. Michael, posting in the Discord right now, Chiaramonti. Example, it's hard to come up with nicknames, guys. Nancy Hollenbach, pro skater. That one's good. That that one I was uh, I was happy I, I came up with. That came up. I just like take video game things and put them against you guys' names. Nick the Video Game Database Morgan. He literally runs the VGDB. Easiest name in the world. Homebrew Mastermind Divertov. Off the map, NZ Collector. Uh, man, NZ's New Zealand, right? And maps sometimes don't include New Zealand. It's... it's is it, is it insensitive to remind New Zealanders that a lot of maps forget them? I don't know. Maybe his collection is so good, it's it's off the charts. It's off the map. The other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games, Dungeon Master, Reed Stubinick, the promoter, Retro RPG Podcast, Tex, who collects for Jaguar. Tex, I think you, you came back on this list and I didn't have your original nickname. I think it was that. If it wasn't, let me know. Obscure variant Chaser Chase, Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games, 32 bits or less, do the math! Andrew actually collecting Engage. Oh, Ben Parker, a bad enough dude to rescue the president. Chesno, all your base are belong to him. Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Danny McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The modern database, Danny Gomez. The Philatelist, Dork Overlord. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. I really hope that doesn't make you feel old. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon. Collector of everything, including Atari, Kalen McAteer, video game console modding guy, MP3. Are my nicknames this bad? That's just what he is. Sam, Sega Mark III Marks, who has never played Sega Mark III, I know for a fact. Sean, the video game Illuminati LaCroix, and Hegemon of the Geek Empire, Valdor the Great, who listens to the LJN podcast, I'm pretty sure. Awesome! Uh, if you made it seven minutes into this outro here, the Lost Joystick Network podcast. You can get them on podcast places, and I think they go live on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, YouTube channel, 11 subscribers, and I bring them up on the show, not all the time, but sometimes, so you know what, if you made it this far into this episode of Collector's Quest, you know, go to the Lost Joystick Network YouTube page and subscribe, it's great, I, uh, just, just do it, it's a good podcast.